77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Mayor Adams making a bold statement about the city's migrant crisis, saying the surge of asylum seekers will destroy the city. It's his latest plea for help from fellow Democrats at the federal level. Republicans are wasting no time pouncing on the mayor's comment. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. The mayor is absolutely right. It is destroying New York City, but he needs to acknowledge that he is part of the problem. Out of the U.S. Open in New York, right in the middle of semifinal play between Coco Goff and Carolina Muchova, a protest grinding everything to a halt. Apparently, at least three climate protesters started screaming end fossil fuels so loud that it disrupted play just after 8 p.m., apparently gluing their bare feet to the stands. In my career, I was a career prosecutor. Um, I was the first woman elected district attorney of, a, of San Francisco, a major city in this country, and re-elected. I was the first woman attorney general of the second largest department of justice in the United States. You're a moron. Re-elected. Yeah. I was a United States senator. I represented one in eight Americans, and I'm now vice president of the United States. They feel the need to attack because... They're scared that we will win based on the merit of the work that <laughs> Joe Biden and I and our administration has done. Shut up. Watch the reaction now of this football team. This is a milestone moment for them to come in here and get this win. Not the same old Lions, the 1 0 Lions. They come in to Kansas City on opening night. How does one feel on a night like this? I feel like I'm at somebody else's inauguration, a royal inauguration hall. I walked in here and I said, what am I doing here? What what are all these people? What's going on? You know, honey, I never really sat down and thought about what was going on with career-wise. I do it. And I go on the air and I just have a good time. I don't think about the ramifications. This is absolutely wild. Have I done all these things to deserve this? I don't know. Now I have the time of my life. No, I never felt like this before. Yes, I swear it's a truth. And I owe it all to you.
Oh, yeah. Time of my life. Joe Cocker and Jennifer Warren from the great summer movie Dancing in the Dark. Wrong. Dirty Dancing. Why did Dancing in the Dark come to mind? But regardless, lots of folks were dancing last night. In fact, right now, hours and hours later, I have this vision of uh, Chad Lopez dancing, Emily Pankow dancing, Margot Katsimatidis dancing. It was a raucous, a raucous and great time last night at Cipriani's where we celebrated Another birthday for John Katzmatidis. What a wonderful man he is. And then, of course, a lifetime, a legendary lifetime. Well, cousin Bruce Morrow, you heard Brucey right there at the end of the Open, put together again in brilliant fashion by Justin Ellick. And it was a lovely event, and they gave Bruce Morrow a bunch of really nice awards. Dan Herschel made something for Morrow, it, uh, like an old uh, photograph. Did you see that? Um, it was like a Victrola. Yes. That's what it, that's what like, it was, yes. yes. And it was really cool. Even uh, Cousin Brucey said, I'm sick of plaques. If I want a plaque, I go to the dentist. Very funny. Uh, what they did last night was really cool. And Joe Piscopo was great. As always, he performed. Vinny Madugno, my guy, was great. Tony Orlando, terrific. And just a whole bunch of really cool people. Really cool people. I know at uh, my table, for example, I had the former CBS president, Radio Hall of Famer, Dan Mason, and his lovely wife, Lombardi, Kim and Phil. Ricky Gold, he's going to join me coming up at about 825 this morning from Juice Wheel. Right to my left, Sergio Gore, who happens to be the publicist for everybody from Donald Trump to Janine Pirro to Carrie Lake and others. And Eloise was with him. So we had a great table. But the table right to my right was Pete Morgan, my guy Pete Morgan from Peerless Boilers. And that was a terrific table because you had Lewis, Justin Ellick, and, of course, the McGurk family, Carol McGurk, uh, Bernie's beautiful daughter, Melanie, his uh, terrific son, Brendan, Brendan's wife, Jessica. It was so great seeing Bernie's family last night. And for the second time in as many years at this event, Thank you to John, Margo, and Chad for allowing me to come up on stage. And this year, much shorter than last year. Last year at this time, my guy Bernard was actually dying, and everybody was crying. It was rough. Uh, last night, more of a celebration. They played a really nice video of Bernie, me and Bernie. They gave me about a minute and a half, and once again, I asked the crowd to stand. This time not to cry, but this time to celebrate the great life of Bernie McGurk. The crowd complied. And at the risk of sounding um, douchey, I believe the whole ceremony, that was the moment of the night. What about you, Lou? You agree or no? Uh, yes. I'll it agree. was. Sure. Everybody got up in unison and clapped, and Carol was crying, and Melanie was crying. It was really lovely. Yeah. I think she was overcome. She was, yeah. 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 They look, they look <laughs> yeah. good. The family looks they look great. really yeah. good. I'm happy for Brendan and Jessica. They, you know. The little they, boy, Colin. Yeah. Bernie's grandson. That's, yeah, that's, that's great. really cool. And everybody was getting hammered, too. I mean, a oh. lot of drunk people there last night. Wow. Loud and <laughs> yeah. drunk. I, that, I can't, I can barely speak. Well, so. the problem was the music, while it was great, and people were dancing all night, and that's where the party's supposed to be. It was so loud that you couldn't hear anybody at your table. Insanely loud. And I can't hear anyway, no. so you start to scream, yep. which is bad for guys like you and I, because we need our voice in the morning. <laughs> I couldn't even speak to you in the lobby I know. this morning. 
I can't speak. Yeah, it's very, really loud. I mean, Joe Piscopo was was great. Cousin Brucey was great. Uh, all the awards that was that was very cool and nice and stuff. It, it just, but it it goes it was on. Loud. It's loud. Yeah, music is loud. But then uh, at one point, I went to make pee pee in the bathroom, and I'm pretty sure I I heard Noam doing lines in one of the stalls. I can't confirm that, and I don't want to say anything bad about Noam. No. Yeah. Was that you? I, no, it was not me. <laughs> what, what Are you he, sure? What did he do that made you think it was no? Did you hear some trademark I did. sound? I, I, that he yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so happy that you are. Thank you for that. Okay. You know what's funny is you come to this place every day, and for the most part, the, the young people dress like scumbags. They just look like crap. And then uh, they put this party on once a year. So all these kids put on a suit or a tuxedo. I don't even recognize them. I don't even recognize them. They're all like, and with yeah, like Kevin Gross is wearing yeah. a, a yeah. jacket. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But they all look good. Macedonia. Phil looked terrific last night, and and the girls that work here. I got to tell you, they're very attractive women. Uh, Sophie looked terrific. Sophie Perez and Sitlada. Sit, looked she great. looked great. Yeah. Yep. And, of course, uh, our very own Leslie Slender, who had a great table, my dear friend Jen Dolce. Jen uh, sat next to Leslie last night. Leslie looked terrific. Everybody, a vet. I mean, it was just, it was a really good time, and everybody really enjoyed it. It was a great vibe, a really great vibe, and it went on till uh, till the very end. And then people went back to the hotel where I slept across the street. They continued the party. I did not. I went to my room and, and I went to bed. <laughs> I was tired. My feet were hurting me. Danelle goes to me, well, now you know what it's like for women, because she always complained about wearing heels, her feet would be killing her, and wearing shoes for about four hours, my feet were killing me. And I had to be up early, so I got some sleep. Uh, you went to the after party. How was that, Lou? It was uh, raucous. Yeah, midgets and all that stuff? Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, some of them were dressed. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was going. You know, uh, Chad had it going well, and Emily, it was, it, was, it was good. And Margo, of course, she's always fun. And, oh, uh, Margo's a great time. Yeah, she yeah. is. She's. You know, I met this uh, lady crazy. last night. Uh, Joe Piscopo introduced me to her, and I really liked her. Now you know who she is. I don't. Yes, I've seen her on Fox Business, but um, I had no idea what her name was. Nicole Petalitis. That's right, Petalitis. And uh, she's on Fox Business now, right? I believe. Yes, I believe that's where she she's is on the New York located. Stock Exchange yeah. floor every day. She's there every morning. Yeah, you could see her. She's right on the floor. She's like a big deal. Yes, she's she's good. Yeah, and like <laughs> just uh, amazing looking too. Yeah, she's a great looking girl, and she uh, great personality. And she said, "Hey, I want to do something with you." And I'm like, "Well, who doesn't at this yeah. point? <laughs> Anybody who wants to do anything in Radio New York wants to do it on this show." But uh, on a serious note, she said we could do something in and around the, you know, the exchange, the opening bell, nine thirty every morning. I said that's a great idea. Yeah, that is a good idea. Yes, we could talk about Peloton. We can talk about all these uh, different companies. I said, "Listen, Nicole, talk to John, talk to Margo, talk to Chad. We'll get it done." So we'll find out if uh, if that has any traction. Could we move the stock exchange up right into the studio so that she's <laughs> yeah. here? Just, we just probably could. It's just a thought. Yeah, no, she's great. Uh, she was one of the few people I met last night that left a, an impression I didn't know her. Some other lady, Lucia, if she's listening, she left a major impression. Didn't know he, her either. But, you know, when you walk in and there's a 1,000 people there, I think the real number was probably about 600. Does that sound right? About 600? I, it has to have been at least 600. Yeah. And you get mobbed with people who want to take photos and pictures, and 
they all they all have a story, you know. Oh yeah, you and I did this, you and I did that. I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. People were no people were grabbing you from the grabbing back and me. pulling you. I know it was <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Bo Deedle did that to me, but it was I knew it was him. Yeah, I was glad Bo was there too because he went to Danny A's event too last night. So it was great seeing Bo Deedle. But I was being grabbed all over the place. And what they did was it was cute. Margot has cardboard cutouts of all the talent. So you walked in and you saw these life-size cardboard cutouts of yourself. I looked awful in mine, but regardless, everybody wanted to take a picture with me and the cardboard cutout. That became like a uh, yeah, a big deal. Yeah, something I don't get, but just, yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, you're standing right there, taking. Yeah, a picture I'm with the you. real guy, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hey, yeah. oh wow, this looks like you. Uh, can we <laughs> take a picture with <laughs> all of us? <laughs> oh, all right, great. You're gonna look at this when? I think Mark Simone was jealous there was no cardboard <laughs> cutout of him. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, he probably told me about five times. Yeah, yeah. where's my I cardboard cutout? I saw him the whole night. You did? Oh, he constantly ran into him. He well, was, he was at that table when you exited the ballroom with my dear friend Mitchell Modell, who had a uh, young girlfriend there last night, too. And I go, Mitch, all right, some blonde Russian chick. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mitch, my man Mitch Modell, man. All right. He didn't need the stock exchange for no. good. He used to have these uh, parties. He may still have them at his house in Alpine. He'd invite me on a Sunday to watch football. And you had, like, uh, Sal Marciano and Russ Salzberg and Warner Wolf, all the sports guys. And a bunch of other people around town, I guess. And uh, Simone went to those. And you would invite these masseuses. So he'd have food. He'd have the football games on. And he'd have these, like, hot Russian masseuses. <laughs> and I swear to God, she had to be one of those last night at the party with him. She had to be. But a uh, very good-looking girl, too. So congratulations to Mitch Modell. And uh, who else did I see last night, Lewis, that I have to make mention of this morning? Um, let's see. Uh... Kathy Hochul was there last yeah, night. Yes. I did not applaud. I didn't boo either. I just kept quiet. Curtis oh. was booing at oh. the top of his lungs. I heard him. It was oh. loud. Yeah. 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 Justin and I were looking over said, well, well I, I promised John to Margo I'd be nice. <laughs> what his reaction's going to be. I mean, what a wench. What a filthy wench, this Governor Kathy Hochul. What an idiot. My God. And then, as if that's not bad enough, she actually took part in the ceremony before the party started during the cocktail hour. Who's walking around? Hillary Clinton. Did you see her? I did not see I her. Did, I didn't yeah, know until I a did. few minutes ago she was here. Yeah. She was there. I um, I don't know. I had this feeling that neither Hillary nor Kathy was all that interested in saying hello to me. That was just my... <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so I didn't make my way towards either one of these women, but they were there. They were there. Did you know him? You're, uh, you're a Clinton fan. I did. I, I spoke for a couple seconds. To did you really? Did you grab yeah. a picture with her? I did not. Oh, no, no, You know, I want to be cool, you know, so I don't take a picture with it. <laughs> now, I tell you what, if her husband came, because I still like Bill. I don't know why I do, but I do. Uh, Bill was there, I would have said hello and taken a picture. But I can't stand Hillary. Hillary is, there's no redeeming value there. None. Zero. But Bill, Bill's still a cool guy, you know. He's got his issues with his penis, but that's fine. Who doesn't? <laughs> yeah, it's almost a, a phrase everybody uses. Ish, penis issues. Yeah, big penis issues. The mayor was not there last night, Eric Adams. He was too busy scaring the hell out of everybody in New York, telling us the migrant crisis is going to destroy us. No kidding, jackass. Here's the problem. You help create it. And you can't argue that, folks. You just can't argue that. He was yelling and screaming, we're a sanctuary city. Come on, come all. He was there. You go. You guys forget this. 
a year ago when the first buses arrived, Eric Adams was there to greet these people and shake their hands. He was okay with homeless Americans on benches, even some veterans on the street. But these illegals, no, 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 we care for the migrants. He doubled down on that yesterday, even on a day where our kids were having issues getting into school. They had to hire nearly 200 new teachers, 175 bilingual, to speak to our kids and these illegal kids. Not their fault, the kids. The illegals, too, I feel badly for them, too. But what a mess. And this mayor has the balls to tell us it's going to destroy this city. I told him that a year ago. If you missed this genius comment, here it is, Mayor Eric Adams Lewis, cut number one. This issue will destroy New York City. Duh. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. Nice of uh, the mayor to mention the border. You would think one day maybe he would mention Joe Biden by name and not say national or federal government or Mayorkas by name. But way to go, Eric. You figured out the border is an issue, huh? What was it like sleeping for 12 months like Rip Van Winkle? No, what was the name of that? that it was Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, it's Rip Van Winkle. Basically slept up for a year, and then all of a sudden <laughs> Eric Adams woke up. Here's more from this Eric Adams town hall. It was Wednesday, talking about the countries where these people are coming from. Eric Adams, Lewis, cut number two. We're getting 10 thousand migrants a month one time we were just in venezuela now we're in ecuador now we're getting russian speaking coming through mexico now we're getting uh, western africa i'll tell you how progressive our party was last night not only did my table have dan mason sergio gore my beautiful wife danielle and others but every table last night had two illegals that we literally took from right outside 42nd Street and Grand Central. Right before, we just plucked them off the street, and every table got two illegals. That's how much WABC cares. <laughs> Here's a cut number three, Eric Adams, saying, I don't see an end to this. Neither do I, genius. Cut number three. Never in my life have I had a problem that I did not see an ending to. I don't see an ending to this. I don't see an ending to this. Of course not, because the border is still open. That's why there is no end to this. That's why anybody with half a brain could have told you, like I did a year ago, this was only getting to get worse, not better, and yet your defenders still say, what do you want from Eric? He had no idea. If he had no idea, he's dumber than he sounds Wednesday. Here's another one talking about the billions and billions of dollars this is costing our city. Eric Adams, cut number four. Everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. So it got all the way back to the White House, I guess, that Eric Adams is furious and the government and whatever nonsense he says. So we go from one Mensa to another. Corrine Jean-Pierre. Oh, uh, uh, well, thank you. 
Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> the meeting uh, – we talked about yesterday. The meeting ran a little bit late, and we – we we uh, okay. Well, you, you can introduce it. I'm I'm going to stop. Well, this dummy was on Air Force One yesterday and actually talked about Adam's comments, or maybe not. She may have shrugged them off. Corinne Jean Pierre Lewis, cut number six. Eric Adams' comments on the migrant crisis uh, destroying New York City. Implication being there that um, President Biden and Washington writ large and his governor are not doing enough. Any response? So a couple of things. I do want to lay this down because I think it's important. Uh, so we've been taking action to support uh, communities across the country who are managing the arrival of migrants. And in New York, specifically to your question, Armour, uh, we have worked closely with officials at the state and city level to coordinate efforts and provide recommendations That's and not identify true. possible efficiencies uh, in their operations. We have, uh, we have provided the state and city more than $140 million in federal funding through DHS just this fiscal year. Uh, following conversations with leaders in New York across the country, the administration launched a first-of-its-kind national campaign uh, for individuals who are, who, were, who are work eligible but have not yet applied to work authorization with information on how to apply uh, to employment authorization, hundreds of thousands of MS, MSMs. Uh, sorry, SMS, SMS oh my God. Uh, and emails have been sent to, in, in English, in Spanish, in Haitian Creole, and many other languages to make that happen. Only Congress can really reform. You hear us say that all the time, this broken system that has broke, been broken for the past couple of decades, this immigration system. And so we uh, that, that could provide additional assistance. The president has done all that he can from his purge, but we need more, and we need Congress to act. And finally... If you took the Kansas City Chiefs and laid the four and a half at home last night in the season opener against the Detroit Lions, as one of Wolf would say, you lost. And one of the major reasons why, former New York Giant wide receiver Kadarius Tony couldn't catch a pass last night and at one point dropped an easy completion ended up in the arms of a Lion defender and became a Patrick Mahomes pick six. The new season starts with the upstart Lions, who surprised a lot of folks last year, beating the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs 21-20 to in Kansas City. And that sets us up for NFL weekend number one, which includes, for I'll be Sunday night, my football Giants, hosting the Dallas Cowboys, and of course, we wrap up week one Monday night, 9-11, with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets hosting the Buffalo Bills. Big, big show about to come your way, folks. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Joseph Takapina, Rudy Giuliani, Governor David Patterson, Alexandra Vigneault, terrific actress, and more. Friday with me, Sid, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77, W-A-B-C.
are watching an incompetent person turn in a competent place in the city to live in. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Boy. Great Benjamin Orr here, stay the night. Benjamin was uh, with the Cars, the group, the Cars. I think he also wrote and sang Drive. We'll play that today, too. Isn't that right, Lewis? Correct, Amundo, El Cid. I like this song. Make it louder. Benjamin Orr, stay the night on a Friday morning. Big-name guests stopping by today, live on the program once again. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Joseph Tacopino, Rudy Giuliani, Governor David Patterson, actress Alexandra Vignal. So here's what I'm going to do. A week ago today, Friday, I had President Donald Trump on. Trump uh, is on his way, or he's actually in South Dakota this morning, and he's going to rally with Christy Nome, the very attractive governor in South Dakota, and the consensus is, is that Christy Nome is going to endorse, as she should, Donald Trump today as her choice, Republican choice, for once again President of the United States. Way to go, Christy. And I'll talk to Brian Kilmeade about this. I had a very private discussion with somebody last night, and I asked him flat out, is Christy Nome, in your opinion, does she have the inside track to be Trump's VP? And I mentioned Nancy Mace. Nancy Mace from South Carolina coming to New York live in studio on Tuesday. That's a big deal. So I mentioned Nancy Mace. I mentioned Tulsi Gabbard. I mentioned Carrie Lake, my friend out of Arizona, and a bunch of guys as well, Tim Scott, blah, blah, blah. And this person said, look, gun to my head, Christy's got the best chance. Not Chris Christie. Christy Noem. But I would make that about 10%. Not very high. So we'll see what Trump decides to do, but he'll be with Christy Nome later on today. And being the interview I did with Trump was a week ago at 8.40 in the morning, a different audience than 
8.40 in the morning. If you missed President Trump last Friday because by 8.40 you're at work, you're going to catch him today. I'm going to replay it coming up at 6.40 and then back live with Curtis Sliwa coming up at 7. I do want to send a shout-out <laughs> to Ron DeSantis, the governor in Florida. I've had multiple conversations this week on this show. People like Carol Markowitz, Dr. Mark Siegel, and I've made it very, very clear that I'm not going to comply with any mandates from this new COVID nonsense this time because I didn't even do it the first time. Folks, you don't understand. There was a picture of me in my Upper West Side lobby like I was Osama bin Laden, like I was El Chapo, because I refused to wear a mask and give in to this government nonsense. Not because I'm insensitive, not because I want your grandmother to die, because I'm not stupid. So if I didn't do it the first time, you bet your sweet ass I'm not going to do it this time. Ain't going to happen. But they're still going to try to do it to you. Mask mandates, maybe lockdowns. So DeSantis... Right now, it's still second to Trump, but when I say second, like 45 points behind. He talked yesterday in Jacksonville how Florida, much like Sid Rosenberg, they will not comply either. Ron DeSantis, cut number 12. If you give these people an inch, they will take a mile. And so in Florida, not only did we stand in the fight when it was happening, but we've enacted permanent protections uh, against these policies now and in the future for Floridians. And that is really, really important. And so uh, you as a parent can send your kid to school, and the school can't force them to wear a muzzle all day. They're allowed to breathe. Nice. You also have a right as a Floridian uh, to earn a living, uh, regardless of whether you want to take the latest COVID-19 booster shot or not. Uh, they can't make you do it in Florida. This is where Ryan DeSantis, even though he's clearly my second choice, way behind Trump like he is in most polls, this is where he gains points with me every time. Way to go, Ronnie. Traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next and President Donald Trump. But right now it's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Get the max out of mini. Today's minicast is from Katz and Cosby. Here, John Katz and Rita Cosby talk to a real American hero, Kentucky Republican James Comer. The special counsel, David Weiss, intends to seek an indictment against President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, on the gun charges. Chairman, great to have you here. What's your reaction to this big news? It's obvious that Hunter Biden's committed at least a dozen crimes. I would rank this gun charge a very distant 12th in the crimes that he's committed. But look, you know, I'm viewing this whole why situation with caution because it was just a few weeks ago he was trying to negotiate blanket immunity to Hunter Biden. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers, officially off and running with the 2023-2024 NFL football season with the Detroit Lions. Surprisingly taking care of the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs last night by a score of 21-20 to on Thursday Night Football in the season over. And Jared Goff 
Outplayed Pat, Patty Mahomes, threw for 253 yards and a touchdown. New lines running back David Montgomery ran for the go-ahead score late in the game. And Detroit held on for the win, taking advantage of the absence of Chiefs tight end Travis Kelsey. Locally this weekend, the Giants get the Cowboys at home on Sunday night at 8.20 p.m. as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. And the Jets kick it off with the Bills at 8.15 p.m. on Monday Night Football as two-and-a-half-point dogs. On the diamond, the Yankees snapped their five-game winning streak at home against the Detroit Tigers, losing 10-3 to in last night's series finale. Carlos Rodon did not have it on the hill for New York, getting tagged for seven runs in three and two-thirds innings as the Yankees dropped back to 500 overall on the year. They'll see if they can rebound come tonight's series opener against the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Bronx first pitch is set for 7.05 p.m. with Luis Severino scheduled to start for New York. As for the Mets, they were off last night but get a weekend set going tonight in Minnesota against the Twins. First pitch is scheduled for 8.10 p.m. Eastern time. Kodai Senga is set to start for the Mets in that one. Finally, Chutenis' U.S. Open in Queens, world number one call is Alcaraz. And Daniil Medvedev will meet in the semis coming up tonight at 7 p.m. after American Ben Shelton and Novak Djokovic meet in the other men's semis match this afternoon at 3. On the women's side, the finals are set with American Coco Golf advancing through the semifinals along with Arena Sabalenka out of Belarus. That finals match will take place tomorrow afternoon at 4 p.m. Sports sponsored by Pete Morgan of Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, pavilion To find a dealer near you, they're the world's best ball boilers. I'm Justin Ellicott, 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. President Donald Trump, I love you. The front of my house is a huge advertisement for you. I can't wait to see you walk into Pennsylvania Avenue as our next president. Get rid of the creature. Get rid of him. We got to get rid of him. I love you, and I'll be out there working like a dog for you. Donald J. Trump. Love you, guy. Good luck. God watch you. Bye-bye. There's a special message right there from my 89-year-old mother up by Monticello in Kanyanga Lake, Naomi Rosenberg, to President Trump. I love you, and I love him, too. Folks, without any further ado... Let me welcome in the 45th President of the United States and soon to be the 47th President of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. Mr. President, good morning. How are you? Well, that was a nice way to start this show. You couldn't do better. That's it. <laughs> I guarantee that's your mom. That sounds like your mom. But uh, would you say hello to her for me? We're going to send her a hat or something. I'll get something over to her because... She's great. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you. And she really does love you. She's been around a long time, President Trump, almost 90 years, seen lots of presidents come and go. And I asked her flat out on this show a couple of days ago. She's on every two weeks. She's become like a cult hero, you know, like a rock star right. like you. And I said, Mom, be honest, be honest, because you like Kennedy, I think. I said, is Donald Trump the best president ever? She said, son, not even a question. The best president. We're talking 90 years, President Trump. That's a large yeah. sample. Well, you know, uh, what's happening today is making me look a lot better because uh, people really liked me and they loved the job I did. And now they're saying he's better than Reagan. He's better than anybody because they're looking at these people that are in office today. And aside from being the most corrupt president, he's the worst president we've ever had. Jimmy Carter has to be very happy because, uh, <laughs> you know, they'd always say Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter. And yep. uh, this guy, uh, this guy blows Jimmy Carter away. And Jimmy Carter at least was honest. We think. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. But, you know, I had a great conversation. Yeah, yeah. I had a great conversation with our mutual friend, President Trump, Bill White, this morning. And he's in Georgia, of course. And he says, 
You know, Sid, there's over 250 murderers and rapists and sex offenders and gangbangers. All these folks are out there, and yet Fanny Willis and Brian Kemp, another governor like DeSantis who stabbed you in the back, the Attorney yeah. General Chris Carr, all these people are in cahoots. And, of course, I know you pled non-guilty. Yes, not guilty, which, of course, you are not guilty. But you look at what's going on with all those people in Georgia. I mean, that's just another example of of this, uh, what they're trying to do, which is election interference. It's nauseating. I don't know a lot of those people, but these are fine-looking people to me, and they got they got screwed, frankly. And, you know, uh, you mentioned Brian Kemp. He was dead. He had no chance. And some people came to see me on his behalf that were very good friends of mine. They asked for an endorsement of Brian Kemp, and I took him, and he won the election because of me, and he hasn't done a damn thing. And I'll tell you what, why they signed that consent decree, that was giving it away to the Democrats, what they did. The signing of a consent decree which is a big deal. You don't know what I'm talking about because it's Georgia, but they signed a consent decree that was so bad for Republicans and so bad, frankly, for the state. And uh, it went from there. Now, Brian, Brian Kemp was another surprise. He was a guy I got in. He wouldn't have been governor without me. And then uh, he said, they just go bad. I mean, it's almost like people I don't endorse treat you better. But I must say, most people are good. Most people. You have to sanctimonious was bad. Kemp was bad. Uh, most people are good. They appreciate it. You mentioned the I sanctimonious. I do a good job, actually. Said, uh, yeah. I don't want anything. I just want them to do a good job. Sure. That's all that matters. That's fair. Uh, you did mention the sanctimonious President Trump. And I will tell you that I did watch you and Tucker Carlson. And you're great. I mean, you're always great. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. I did take a peek at that debate last week. I said all week long on my show, it's not going to be any good because the man, you, are not there. And it wasn't any good. It was actually embarrassing for your party, i got to say. Uh, but when you watched it, whether it's the Sanctimonious or any one of these folks, uh, Scott or Pence, did any one of these people impress you? Did anyone say, hey, look at me. Maybe I could be your running mate. Maybe I could end up in your cabin. Any of these folks impressed you with that debate last week? Well, we were looking for the next Abraham Lincoln. We didn't see it. Okay, we didn't see it. But... Look, some of them are friends of mine. Actually, some of them called, a number of them called and almost virtually asked my permission, which I respect. And I said, Ron, go ahead, the more the merrier. What difference does it make? And, you know, we've taken a lead in that thing. I don't want to say anything's over because I don't say that. I'm not a believer until it's over, right, as Yogi would say. Ain't over till it's over. But uh, it was uh, the lead. I, I think I'm 50 points up now on the sanctimonious, and I think he could end up going to third and fourth. The guy's got no personality. There's one. He came to me. He begged me for an endorsement. He was out of politics. It was over. He he left the Congress where he was not doing very well, and he wanted to run for governor of Florida. It was over. He said, if you endorse me, I'll win. And I said, you're so far down, nobody, if you bring back George Washington to, to endorse you, you're not going to do it. He said, no, no, I'll win. I'll win. I say, you know what, we'll give it a shot. I knew him a little bit, and frankly, uh, he was one of the hundreds of people that would go on television and talk about the impeachment hoax number one and impeachment hoax number two. So, you know, I got a little support. He was no Jim, uh, he was no Jim Jordan, that I can tell you. But anyway, we did that, and then he won. He went from, like, being 30 or 40 points down. It, he became like a rocket ship, and he won, and, like, immediately, as soon as I pressed the button, the famous button, Anyone. And then I got him past the race because he had a race with a Democrat. I did three rallies for him, everything else. And he won. And that was the end of it. I didn't care too much. He won. Big deal. But I got him in. He was dead. He had no chance. You know, some guys have a good chance. Some guys have a little. He had no chance. He was out of politics. He was dead. 
He was, I mean, literally crying. So he comes up to me. And then four years later, they say, would you run against the president? Would you run? And he said, I have no comment. Now, Sid, you're a street guy. You know what no comment means. That means he's running. Right. I said, wait a minute, he's running. <laughs> and then I started hitting him hard. And, and a lot of people called me, sir, he's a Republican. Please don't hit him that hard. I said, he's a Republican. Not to me, he's not a Republican. So I thought it was a great act of disloyalty. And Kemp, likewise, was just about equal. He was never going to win without me. He would have never, ever won without me. And, uh, you know, just these guys, I don't know what happens. They go bad. And it's not like I, you know, I hardly dealt with them. It's not like, gee whiz, I did something, I said something that was incorrect. I, I literally get them in. I say, good luck. Do a good job. Run Georgia. Good luck. Good luck, Ron. Take a, you know, do a nice job. That's it. I didn't ask for anything. But then they come back. I don't know. Some, you know, they have these consultants, many of them are morons, and they tell these guys what to do. I have an idea. Go against Trump. But going against Trump and the Republican Party has not been good for people. It hasn't hasn't been good for their career path. No, that may be an an understatement. (laughs) They are. I agree with you. And they are sad, both DeSantis and uh, Kemp. But I guess the guy, uh, President Trump, everybody's in love with these days is Vivek. I'm not a huge fan. Maybe you are. I don't know. But uh, what I get from people is, look, we need to make sure the president does well with suburban housewives. For some reason, yeah. people seem to think that's still a tough spot for us. So maybe you should look at a Nancy Mace or a Carrie Lake or a Tulsi Gabbard or a Christy Nome. Have you made up that decision yet with gender or any of those? Or just not yet. So uh, I have looked at a lot of people. I also know that no vice president ever got a president elected. They don't just don't, you know, but they all go in big fanfare, but ultimately it's the president. Uh, with the suburban housewife, I think we do great. I think the numbers were very skewed last time, to put it mildly. I'm trying to be nice because uh, I want to be nice on your show. So I will not say the election was rigged on your show because I want you to have a job. No, no, you can say it. No, no, you can say it. Well, then the election was rigged. It was a rigged election, (laughs) and it was rigged like nobody. And you got to give Rudy credit. I'll tell you what, Rudy, he he goes through hell because he says that he knows. I mean, he he got it back. He had the laptop before everybody – you know, Rudy was – and Rudy's a friend of yours. Rudy was way ahead of the whole thing. He was two years, three years ahead of all this stuff that's coming out now. He doesn't get enough credit, I'll tell you. Number one, he was the greatest mayor in the history of New York. What he did to New York, he turned it around. It was in shape like it is now, unfortunately. <laughs> and when I see that, I was there not long ago. It was very sad, very sad. When I walk – when I go through that, those streets. I get driven down the streets, and I'll tell you, I look at the scene of New York, and it looks like Bangladesh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a good situation. It's, a, it's so sad. But Rudy gets a lot of credit for he was able to call it early, and they give him no credit, of course. You know, they don't give him any credit. I'm, I'm one of the people that understand it and give him credit. But, uh, yeah, the election was a disgrace. We got uh, – Close to 12 million more votes when you think about it, 12 million than we did the first time. And I was told if you could get the same 63 million that you got the first time, you have it. We got almost 75 million votes. And I was told you get 63, you win automatically. I got 63 the first time. So, you know, people say, well, you did better in the first election because you want to. I said, no, no, I did much better in the second election. Mm. But the election was rigged. So now we're doing it again. 
where more, I think there's more enthusiasm. You can ask your mother, but there's more enthusiasm <laughs> now than there was for one or two. I mean, we go by, we drive through the streets where the signs, every house has a sign, Trump 2024. Yep. And that's because it's so bad. You know, what, when you look at energy independence, we're energy independence. And we had, I passed the largest tax cuts in history, the largest regulation cuts. I rebuilt our military. I took out ISIS. You know all about what I did militarily. I don't have to go through it either. But what we did militarily was incredible. But I rebuilt. Then he gave $85 billion of what I rebuilt, brand new stuff, planes, tanks. Uh, goggles, everything, night goggles. He's got, they've got better night goggles than we have. But they gave it to Afghanistan in the single worst, most embarrassing situation, in my opinion, in the history of our country. There's never been anything like that where we take the military stupidly. He takes the military out first. Now you take the military out last. I said, you know, 18 months, not one soldier was uh, even shot at. When I was president, I called Abdul, who was the leader, still the leader of the Taliban. I said, Abdul, don't do it. I won't go into exact conversation, but it was a very interesting conversation. <laughs> I said, Abdul, don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah. I'm telling you, you're going to get hit so hard. <laughs> don't do it, Abdul. And you know what? He didn't. 18 months, it was perfect. And then we had the rigged election, and then he takes over. And what they did at the airport was a horrible thing. I met with the great families uh, two nights ago. And they were great. They're devastated. These people are devastated. Mm. It, was all, it was all because of incompetence. You know, all of that you see in Ukraine right now with Russia going into Ukraine, uh, that would have never happened if I was president. Zero chance. And actually, even most Democrats admit it. Putin never would have done it. If I were president, Putin would have never done it. And I was honored. You know, one of the strongest leaders in the whole world right now, Viktor Orban, uh, he's of Hungary, and he's a very powerful leader. Hungary is, you know, actually it's a place doing very well. It does very well. Strong borders. And uh, they asked him, what do you think? What would you recommend to Biden? You probably saw this. He yes. said yep. he's got to resign. Yep. Trump has to become president. Yep. Trump had the whole world perfect. He yep. had it perfect. True. They all respected him. They listened to him. Trump has to be president. And if he's not, it's not just the United States. The whole world is going to blow up. And you have to understand, he's one of the toughest and most respected people. When he said that, even my wife, the first lady, even my wife was impressed. You know, <laughs> that's not easy. No, he's right. Uh, he's right. And, and how do I know he's right? Because you did it. It's not a hypothetical yeah. President Trump. Oh, if Trump, you were there for four years. So with all that said, and I'm glad you brought out some of the things you did so well, what is your message this morning, Mr. President, for Letitia James? Well, I just sent something out on truth, and I know a lot of your people get truth, but I just wrote it because she's been after me for years, and she's a woman that uh, used me to try and become governor, and that didn't work. But she used me also to become attorney general. And I just, should I read what I just wrote on truth? Go ahead, read it. Do you want me to I, I mean, I, 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 I'm on Truth Social, and I, and I post all the time, and I read it every day because I love than, you. It's but better God. than Twitter or X yes. or whatever. It's the hottest thing. Everybody should be on Truth. But So I just wrote this out. In the New York State, A.G. Letitia James, who's doing a terrible job. Look at crime all over the city. It's horrible all over the state. In that case, let's see, in the New York State, A.G. case, Letitia James, I was targeted, given no jury 
no extensions, no commercial division, no constitutional rights, no anything. The Democrat judge hates Trump with a passion, which is true, so unfair. The thing I have is a great case based on phenomenal numbers that show a net worth billions of dollars more than she viciously and falsely claimed, very little debt, big cash, a powerful disclaimer clause, paid off loans, loans paid off everything beautiful, no defaults, very happy banks, great assets. I was defamed by New York State. This is all about election interference. Well done. And, you know, I built a great company. And I have, and she comes out and sues me because she said I got a loan or loans based on statements. My statement is not as good as the fact, okay? And now they know that, and they don't really know what to do because, you know, we've gone through years of, of litigation on this thing, years. And now they understand that, and they don't know what to do. And it's a terrible situation. And I have others of that. Look at this Georgia situation, different. But it's election, it's harassment. Yep. It's, they think they're going to get more votes. So Letitia James tried to run for governor, as you know. She never got above like 2%, and she failed. Uh, but she became attorney general by saying, I will get Trump. I will get, we got <laughs> tapes all over the place, screaming at everybody, I'll get Trump, I'll get Trump. Uh, and she ends up beating a lot of people, you know, beating with a very small vote. You split up the vote lots of different ways, and she becomes attorney general. And her whole thing is Trump. But now the problem is my numbers are great. I built a great company. It's a great company. Most people said, you're crazy not to just stay where you were and just relax. But we're building a great country. We're going to make America great again. And America right now is not great. America no. right now is a laughing stock yep. all over the world. So that's, you know, that's what we go through. Then we have deranged Jack Smith. He's a deranged person. He's like deranged. And where is Biden, you know, like with his boxes? He's got 10 or 15 or 20 times the number of boxes. And he's not under the, he wasn't covered under the Presidential Records Act. I am, which makes it totally, I'm allowed to do anything. I mean, it literally, now they can ask, but they can't tell. And this was passed exactly for this reason. But Biden doesn't come under that act. And what Biden did is a big problem. But he doesn't have deranged Jack Smith. So, you know, so this is what I have. It's not, it's I guess it's fun being Donald Trump, but I don't care one way or the other. People say, why do you do it? I say, I do it because we made this country so great. Then COVID came in. There's never been a period the day before COVID. Never been a period like that. Everybody, African-American, Asian-American, Everybody, Hispanic, everybody had jobs, the highest paying jobs they've ever had. Uh, everybody was doing great. Women, men, suburban women, as you would say, Sid. I mean, everybody was happy. And they're happy now because they know that I'm going to keep them safe. That's the biggest thing for them. I'm going to keep them safe. We're not going to have World War Three. You're going to end up in World War Three with this stupid idiot running our country. Couldn't agree more. I know, I couldn't agree more. He he was never good in prime time, Sid. So anyway, so we are going to make America great again, and that's why I do it.
And we need you back badly. We love you. Before I let you run here in the last 60 seconds, you, know, you mentioned Kemp and DeSantis, a couple of guys ended up stabbing you in the back. You know, I know your, your new book is out, Letters to Trump, which you can get at 45books.com. And what's funny about that book, too, President Trump, is Oprah, Alec Baldwin, Hillary Clinton, all these people kissed your ass. And much like DeSantis and yeah. Kemp, they all came back and stabbed you in the back, right? I mean, it's kind of the same premise, right? Well, what happened in that case is when I uh, announced that I was running for politics and as a Republican, and I said, wall, we need a wall. You know, I built 500 miles of wall, which had a big impact. We had the safest border in the history of our country three years ago, and now we have the worst ever in the world. There's never been anything like this. Just take a look at Madison Avenue. Take a look at what's happening in New York, okay? It's so sad to see it. But we had the safest border, and now we have the worst – but when I announced I'm running and then I announced the wall and I announced heavy on crime and heavy on this and heavy on drugs. And, you know, I had drug use. I had drug coming into the country, the lowest it's been in 40 years. And, uh, you know, I did a lot of things. And all of a sudden, people that were absolutely very nice people, but they uh, they, you know, it didn't matter to me. I, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, they're not into building walls. You see that. They want to have open borders where the world can just pour into our country and and take everything away from our military. I mean, we're, we're treating illegal aliens better than we're treating our retired soldiers, much better. It's not even our veterans are not being treated nearly as well as people that came into the country illegally. In many cases, these are people from prisons, from mental institutions. They came in from mental insane asylums, very, very mentally sick people countries are dropping these people into the united states and of course terrorists but they're bringing them into the united states totally unchecked we don't they walk right into our country we have jails are being emptied out all over the world but all over in particular south america you go and look at their jail population some of them have nobody there they've dumped them all into the united states so they can attack your mother Okay. Yeah. To be honest. Yeah, you're right. So they can yeah. do damage, and it's a it's a horrible thing what's happening, Sid. Horrible it, to our country. It is. Well, listen. Not only are you the best president ever, but congratulations on winning your senior club championship in golf. <laughs> That's a big thing. I know you love that. And uh, please, just uh, I know they're they're killing you. I know they are. But keep doing what you're doing. Keep talking because you provide so much hope and promise for so many of us, including me, who wake up every day hoping and praying that you're back on Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024 because you are the best. President Trump, well, thank, thank you for you, doing man. this. Thank you. You've been my friend for a long time, and you just take care. Say hello to your mother. Okay? I will. Thank you, President Trump. Thank you. God bless you. All right. There he is, folks. Got to love that guy. Got to love that guy. I love him. 45th president, soon to be the 47th president of the United States, my friend Donald J. Trump. Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So I'm Gandhi-like. I think like Gandhi. I act like Gandhi. I want to be like Gandhi.
Every Friday is Disco Friday for my next guest. I know he loves this song. The Brothers Johnson Stomp. Somewhere Chad Lopez and Emily Pankower is still dancing. 716 on your Friday morning. Yes, he's Gandhi. Who hated the Jews, uh, Mr. Mayor. But uh, my next guest, of course, gets great ratings, noon to one every weekday afternoon. Monster ratings, hosting overnights all weekend long, but arguably does his best work sitting with me every morning. He's here every day because he's that great. At this time, the Mr. Guardian Angel, the icon, the legend, Curtis Sliwa. And I did mention that I thought one of the highlights last night, not because of me, but because in attendance last night was Carol McGurk, my late partner Bernard's wife, I love her, and her beautiful children, Melanie and Brendan, Brendan's wife, Jessica. And I asked for the second straight year for the folks there last night, 600 large, to give a standing ovation. Unlike last year where we were crying, last night more of a celebration of Bernie's life. If that was not the highlight of the ceremony, I'll tell you what was. When Kathy Hochul went to the stage, this wretched governor, my guy, Curtis Sliwa, started booing her, and we heard it all over, all over the event last night. So congratulations, Curtis. You get the MVP. You did what we all wanted to do, but you've got the balls to do it. Well, I was sitting with my beautiful wife, Nancy, and my consigliere, you know him well, Paul C- Paul Carlucci, a.k.a. Johnny Legit. That's my new boy, Paul Carlucci. Him and Keith Cantrowitz, who both love you, both those guys. Yeah, well, he he wasn't sitting anywhere near me, no. Keith Cantrowitz. No. That crew, they want me to run well, against. He was sitting with uh, the lovely Jennifer, yes. your, your Democrat uh, assemblywoman from Queens. Yeah, who, by <laughs> the way, advocated uh, in today's New York Post that all of you in the rest of New York State should be getting our illegal aliens. Yes. Wanting to dump them on you over my dead body. Yeah. She, well, she's so far up Eric Adams' ass, she can check for polyps. Oh, my God. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm booing. And you know why I'm booing? And by the way, Justin Ellick and Wrong Way Lou Rufino were like, I don't know that guy. You know, I don't want to get fired for this. I want to remind all of you, remember what she said when Congressman Zeldin won the Republican primary? the fate of democracy in this country. That's what we're fighting for, my friends. We are fighting for democracy. We're fighting to bring government back to the people and out of the hands of dictators. And we're here to say that the era of Trump and Zeldin and Molinaro just jump on a bus and head down to Florida where you belong, okay? Get out of town. Get out of town. What about you? What you, you get out of town? You don't represent our values. What are our values exactly, Curtis? Because yeah. we don't. We don't represent well, her values. Well, we know what her values are. She wants us to leave the Florida and then fill the buses up with illegal aliens and bring them back to put them in the places that we have vacated. I, every time I see that woman... I hear that. I hear that in my head. And I'm so proud that I'm going to be with a person who should have been governor, would have been a great governor, Zeldin, Congressman Zeldin, this Sunday. We're going to be with him in Kew Gardens campaigning. There's a special election out there that very few people know for the assembly. It's a rabbi versus a rabbi. Our rabbi, who is David Hirsch, the Republican, versus the Democrats' rabbi, Sam Berger. You know, I saw this story last week. I don't know about this guy, David Hirsch. Danielle pointed it out to me. She goes, do you know this guy? He's a young guy. He's a rabbi. He's a Republican. So I did some homework. I had no idea you and Zeldin were going to actually be out there campaigning for him. I think I love this guy. Do I? Yeah, and the election is September 12th, so obviously he can't campaign 
on Monday. That that uh, nine eleven. Right. Uh, so uh, so the election is day. Tuesday. It's it's a special election because the previous assemblyman, I think he was nineteen years old. He said, oh, I can't deal with this. <laughs> I, I, I want to leave. Mommy. A real mama looked like Frank Morano. Mommy. So they had to call a special election. So they found a rabbi. We have a better rabbi. So you vote for David Hershey. Get out there if you're in Kew Gardens, College Point, Malibu, Whitestone, Beachers. I'm going to be there with Congressman Zeldin. All Sunday long. Wow, those are two great Americans, Curtis Sliwa and Lee well, think, Zeldin. Think of it. If I had been mayor. And Lee Zeldin had been governor. Oh, please. We would not be in the mess we're in today. I wonder if, and Sunday's a big day, too. It's uh, the first day of the real NFL season. Other Lions beat the Chiefs last night. I know you're a big sports fan, but you always put the state and the city and the country first. I wonder if Democrats are ready, willing, and able to admit that if, in fact, Curtis Sliwa was mayor and Lee Zeldin was governor, New York would be a better place. Something tells me... Even some of these Democrats would admit that today. Well, I saw your very dear friend Mitch Modell last night. Oh, I said, love Mitch. Yeah, let me tell you something. I told him, go back to the Hamptons. He goes, go easy on Eric. He's trying. Who said go- that? Mitch Modell. About Adams? Yeah. I got to set him straight. He's going easy. Ah, Go easy on him. I said, get out of here. Go back to the Hamptons. And now you have my enemy of all enemies today, my husband-in-law, David Patterson, who disparaged me the last time. He did. He disparaged me. And every time he's on with John on Sundays, you can predict what he's going to say. Oh, Joe Biden is doing a horrible job at the border. Kathy Hochul, horrible job. But Eric Adams is doing a great job. I want you to get him to acknowledge it can't be two out of three it's all three it's the trinity troika trifecta they've all three failed us well he was on with me a couple of fridays ago after that monday night baseball game with Kantrowitz and uh, my dear friend anthony Corone, and he tried to pull that nonsense and i ate his ass for lunch and i, I basically hung up on him so if he does do that you have my word because i'm loyal to you if he tries that adams is trying nonsense I'll hang up. And I like him. I do like him. He's a nice guy. He's not a bad heart. But if he pulls that nonsense, treats me like an idiot, I'll hang up the Can phone. Can you believe this? He's always saying, oh, no, Eric Adams, he's the one. He's the Mashiach. He, he's trying. They all say he's trying. Yeah, trying to destroy us. Did you hear him the other night? Where was his weapons? What does he have, cocktail luggage? <laughs> oh, it's going to destroy us. Well, you're the freaking captain of the ship. What are you? He's like the captain of the Titanic. He sees the iceberg in front. There's nothing I can do. Turn, turn. There's nothing I can do. Well, How about pivot and shift? It's too late now. And, and for him to say it's going to destroy this city, and I give myself credit, but the truth is it starts with you. You've been on this show for a long time. You've been saying these things for months and months. As long as that border was wide open, even Steve, even Governor David Patterson could see this was going to happen. For Adams to say, or for Adams' defendants to say, well, he didn't know, is insulting. Every moron knew as long as the border was open, what's happening in New York now was inevitable. So don't give me Adams didn't know this. If he didn't, he's a moron. You know what it reminds me of that great scene in Jake LaMotta, Raging Bull, towards the end, where Sugar Ray Robinson is like just knocking the hell out of LaMotta. LaMotta all bloody. It's like, yeah, we- he didn't knock me down, Ray. <laughs> That's Eric Adams. Yeah, but he, get out of here. I don't want to hear this. You wanted to be mayor. 
You're in charge. Remember how often he says, oh, they told me it was the second toughest job in America. When does it get tough? Well, guess what? Stop acting like a little kid now looking for your mama. Mommy, mommy. It's time to man up. You know, he, he doesn't man up. He doesn't name and shame. In the streets, they would tell him, get the hell out of here. We're ready to have a throwdown. And you won't even name and shame the people that we're going after. He is incapable. AOC won't even leave his mouth. Joe Biden won't even leave his mouth. Man up. You got elected to represent us. You've abdicated. You've abandoned ship. So I'm the mayor in exile, like Napoleon was on the <laughs> island of Elba. And I'm going to start running the city in your absence. And you know how I'll run the city. You know what happened the other morning? Jefferson Street, Williamsburg, 750. The cops roll up with a big truck to take all of the motorbikes, the Vespers, the bikes. No license, no registration, no nothing. The illegal aliens fought them. They were throwing stuff at them. They were assaulting our police. What did Eric Adams say? Nothing. Nothing. They should have been all rounded up. They should have been turned over to ICE, the Immigration Naturalization Service, deport them. How dare they attack the NYPD? And last night on our way to the gala, I and Nancy, we passed the Roosevelt Hotel, north side, 47th Street, all the motorbikes and Vespers of the Venezuelans. Hey, Eric Adams, NYPD. When are you going to come and take them? No license, no registrations, no license plates. Are you afraid of them? Because they will attack you. <laughs> I know. There was a gang there. Yeah. Are you afraid of them? <laughs> hey, be. Phil Banks, Deputy Mayor of Public Safety, <laughs> how come you don't seize those illegal bikes, huh? Tell me about this uh, Protect Our Children rally going down tonight. My friend Lynn already said you're going to be there. Protect Our Children. Look, it's going to be uh, 6.30 p.m. Once again, Hillside Avenue. It's a coalition to save our neighborhoods, co-ops, reps. Tell me about right, this. Across from Creedmoor, where we first began the demonstrations, thousands came out. And remember, in those demonstrations, it's mostly moderate Democrats, co-op owners, your people, their stakeholders, but they can never vote for a Republican. You know, they are moderate Democrats, but they've joined us. You've seen that in Brooklyn against Floyd Bennett Field. Moderate Democrats, Republicans, independents. Jamie Williams. Exactly. The assemblywoman there. This is the only way you stop the invasion and the abdication of Joe Biden, who's their Papa Chulo, Kathy Hochul. If you didn't hear me last night, Kathy Hochul, boo! And Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, who goes, oh, our city's going to be destroyed. I know I'm the captain of the ship, but guess what? Is there any room in the rowboats? Because I'm getting the hell out of town. Slee was here. Slee was going to stand and fight for what is right with moderate Democrats, independents, and Republicans, politicians out of the way. It's people power. Seven WABC.
This happens to be one of my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs ever, Bobby Jean, off of the Born in the USA album. Yes, I said album. I'm old enough to remember those days. It was so nice seeing Cousin Brucey up on stage last night. And for you folks that missed Cousin Brucey with me on this show yesterday, it was late in the morning, 930, you missed a really good conversation. He admitted the one time he almost fainted in his studios was when Elvis Presley walked in. I can see that. Talked about relationships with presidents, including John Kennedy. It is a great interview. Cousin Brucey, who we celebrated last night alongside my dear friend John Katzmatidis. Very good stuff. You know, I love this uh, kid, Eric Ulrich. And I think what they're doing to him is criminal. Really is. Uh, indicting the poor kid, Alvin Bragg, and all these scumbags. Talking about uh, numbers that he owes the mob, which are completely untrue, completely untrue. I know that for a fact. He's got a new book out. It's called If Pets Could Vote. Go buy it. Give the kid a break. You know what he did? He just donated $25 to my team in the Tunnel to Towers 5K walk run. And I've been telling you guys for weeks, that run comes up the last Sunday in September. And every host at this station has their own team. And you can donate to that team by going to WABCRadio.com. That's WABCRadio.com. Click on the host picture and make your donation. And Orich has, like, no money. They've completely screwed this kid. They really have. In an effort to do what, I don't know. And uh, he still made a $25 donation. So thank you, Eric. And, uh, again, go buy his book, If Pets Could Vote. And Peter King with a really nice, uh, I guess, um, what do you call that, post. On Facebook this morning, he's got pictures of uh, all of us last night. He writes, great event last night at Cipriani's, hosted by John and Margot Katsimatidis, honoring the legendary cousin Brucey and celebrating the 102nd anniversary of 77 WABC. Among the more than 600 attendees were Sid Rosenberg, Hillary Clinton, Bo Deedle, and Staten Island Borough President Vito Bosella. Terrific entertainment was provided by Tony Orlando, Joe Piscopo, and Vinnie Madugno. Wonderful time had by all. And he was there, Peter, with his lovely wife, Rosemary. I love her, too. So thank you for that, Peter King. All right, we got Brian Kilmeade coming up next. He was there last night with Judge Deneen and my dear friend Sergio Gore, who sat next to me last night. We'll talk to Brian Kilmeade coming up next. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Friday morning here on Sid and Friends in the Morning. And again, we've been talking all morning long about that big bash last night. Once again, congratulations to Cousin Brucey and our very own John Katsimatidis. A lot of very good-looking people there last night, handsome men, beautiful women. One of the most handsome men there last night is a man that comes on after me here on WABC, 10 a.m. every weekday, Fox and Friends, his own great show, One Nation, 8 p.m. Saturday nights on Fox News. He is Brian Kilmeade, and you did look very, very dapper last night, Brian, very. Really? Yeah. I thought you did too. I mean, no, no, I, I look the best. No, 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 we're not supposed to look good at night. Yeah, no, we're I, supposed to be in bed. Right. I look the best, but you look good. So, so I, like, was I second? I'm not sure you were even second, but you were up there. Let's leave it at that, okay? <laughs> right, because John Katzmatidis tried to blend in with his wonderful blazer. That looked great. Could barely pick him out from the crowd. <laughs> 
him and Margot both went with sequins. And I'll tell you what was funny last night was I was keeping my eye on your table because two of my favorite people in the world are you and, of course, Judge Janine. And you guys were sitting directly in front of me about two tables away. And as soon as Governor Kathy Hochul went up on stage and did a little spiel, you guys were gone. Was that a coincidence or was that planned? When Hochul got on stage, you and Piero exit stage left. Hmm. I had to go um, <laughs> because I have I have an hour and a half to get home uh, with traffic. Right. So and I got to be up at two thirty, like you. So to get back here into New York City, so it wasn't a timing thing. It probably would have been interesting what you had to say because it's just fascinating to see a woman screw up a state uh, worse than the guy that she replaced. And I've never seen such incompetence. Thinking about having an emergency session, uh, I don't know, walking around, we can't get schools going, uh, crime is out of control. The only thing that gets people to prosecute criminals is putting them on the front page of the New York Post. And she can't get her party to do anything with the super majorities uh, in Albany. So to me, I've never seen such ineptness. It would have been fascinating to see her speech. Um, but I unfortunately... I care about this show, your show, and then the TV show more. Yeah, I, it, we have a job to do. Yeah, and she wasn't. I wanted to show respect for cousin Brucey, but more importantly, John Casamitidi's birthday. Yeah, she wasn't fascinating at all. She 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 made a nice little speech on behalf of John, and and that was it. On a serious note, she said nothing of real substance. And you're right, she she's the all time worst. And I got to tell you, my former buddy, the mayor who now I just malign just about every day the last two months, Eric Adams, he comes out yesterday or the day before, actually, and says, this migrant crisis is going to destroy New York City. No kidding, moron. The problem is you were there at the very beginning welcoming the whole thing. Now you've decided a year later, after shaking hands on the entrance line, telling everybody, come to my sanctuary city, and treating these people better than homeless Americans and even veterans, now you're complaining? You're going to destroy our city? You're right, Eric, and guess what? You're part of the reason why. Yeah, I mean, unless you're going to say, I mean, that's great memory. I mean, I we were covering it live when the buses dropped off just 60 people at the vice president's house and 35 in New York. And I thought to myself, Governor Abbott's trying to make a statement, but, you know, he's losing money. These people of Texas might be a little upset by this. But what it did is open the doors. It's not all Governor Abbott and Governor DeSantis. What it did, it showed people you don't have to stay in the border cities. We're being destroyed. But you probably want to go elsewhere. If we're going to let you in, you don't have to stay in Arizona and Texas. So then on their own, these people are coming because this mayor and the governor said you can. Now, the surrounding counties are saying don't bring them here, including Nassau County. They say don't even think about it. So now they're all staying in New York City. And his way of solving it is why don't they go elsewhere? No. Uh, don't, you know, don't go throw it in and throw them in Buffalo, by the way, where there's two rapists up there in Chicago. Did you see what happened in the airport? Two guys, two of these migrants beat up cops. And then the woman, the one of the councilwomen said, well, we don't do any background checks on them. We just let them in as if that's a defense. So this is all Democratic created. And I believe this is going to be the theme this weekend on, on One Nation. You know, we talk about different issues that pop up when the economy collapsed. John McCain was the nominee. After the Iraqi surge. But by the time he's going against Obama, the economy collapses. And Obama did a much better job showing that he was uh, clued in and people wanted to turn the page. That gave him the upset victory. The next thing you know, we are looking at abortion at the midterms. So Roe v. Wade gets overturned. The Republicans have no message. 
and this this uh, would be red wave never never happens. I believe that this illegal immigration thing, the busted border, which is solely on the shoulders of Joe Biden, that has Democrats going on de- at Democrats, will be the undoing this this November. I agree with you 100 percent. And we saw it again firsthand the last couple of days. I mean, my daughter, like your kids, is in college, but I've got a son, Gabriel, 14 years old. He had his first day of high school just two days ago. And I know over 20,000 illegals, sorry, uh, kids, not their fault. I feel badly for them. They're trying to go to school. DOE hired about 200 teachers, many of them bilingual. But the truth is, this is unfair to those kids. It's unfair to our kids. It's unfair to tax taxpayers and for eric adams to say oh my god we're in trouble it just makes me angry the kids now the kids are starting to suffer there's no excuse for that yeah i mean you see some of these quotes these kids going i have to get out of my school i have to go to a private school because i can't even get in the door in long island city the line was wrapped around the place and the guy's like i got to go find money to go to a private school i can't do this and not only have we asked our kids to suck it up for the ridiculous six feet apart and the, and the masking and go home and find yourself an iPad and go zoom into your class and not pay attention. Now we, we tell them go to school and then we say we well, don't have any room for you because of people that came here illegally trying to take advantage of our system. You know, and people say they want to come to New York and they're pointing to the Statue of Liberty. The Statue of Liberty has nothing to do with this. It doesn't say come to America, break our rules, shatter our immigration system, and take advantage of our social programs. I haven't been to the Statue of Liberty lately, but I'm pretty sure that's not on the base of the statue. Boy, that is well said. Oh, my God, Brian, you should start One Nation with that tomorrow night. You're exactly right. That's not what the Statue of Liberty and our country is all about. In fact, it's the complete antithesis of what our country is all about. So the the immigration is a mess. There's no question. Now, my friend, President Trump, who was on this show a week ago today, and by the way, I was on your terrific radio show right afterwards. He's in yes. South Dakota today with Christy Nome and uh, she's going to endorse President Trump today. Some folks think maybe she has the inside track on the VP. I don't think that's the case. But either way, you know, he likes her. She likes him. Donald Trump in South Dakota today. And again, another week, indictments, all these issues. And the numbers continue to grow. Big night last night. Him and Giuliani in Bedminster raising money for the former New York City mayor. Donald Trump right now, Brian Kilmeade, is an unstoppable force. I will say this. All sides are saying, keep, I'm, I'm not saying DeSantis is out of it. Uh, I know you think so. But look out, look out for Nikki Haley. The CNN, of all people, did a poll of all the GOP candidates. They all beat Biden for the first time. And the one with the biggest lead uh, is 46-46 with Trump. But Haley beats, uh, beats Biden by six points. So Pence, uh, who will be on TV today, by two Scott uh, w- wins by two. DeSantis in a dead heat with Biden. And Ramaswamy loses by one. Uh, Christie wins by two. So there's got to be panic on the left. But so far, this is what I loved out of everything. He was on with Hugh Hewitt yesterday, was the former president. And Hugh Hewitt says, you know, why'd you move the, uh, what are you going to say when they ask you why you move the boxes? He's like, I'm not going to try my case here with you. He goes, I'm not going to answer any of this. And I thought that is the smartest thing. Because the president has never been disciplined when it came to court cases. And it drives his, uh, it, it really makes things difficult for him legally. I think he understands how serious this is. He's got to play the perfect game. And that's what he's got to show. Make this about the election. 
Don't say anything that's going to fuel Jack Smith or that idiot in, in, in Georgia or that's going to hurt him in this defamation trial in New York or make, or bail out Alvin Bragg. Keep it disciplined when it comes to the court cases and be yourself when it comes to the country because more and more people are seeing that he was actually acting in the best interest of the country. And when you see this president shut off the drilling in Alaska after Congress approved it, knowing that gas prices are going up and they just cut production in Saudi Arabia, you see the broken border. This is not even debatable. What's this guy doing? That's the thing that Trump has going for him, that Biden seems to be acting against our country's interest. And for special interests, in such a blatant way, it's no longer nuanced. You don't need the expertise of Sid Rosenberg and Van Jones to unwind it. You, this comes up on every barbecue, every tailgate. They can figure it out. And that's why you see every Republican winning. And that's why people go, yeah, the last guy. Christine Ohm was on with me yesterday. And he said the only person who went to bat for the country in, in his own unique way was Donald Trump. And she says he's the last one to do it. And she's basically... Going to probably endorse him today. I can't imagine him coming to South Dakota and her not saying at this moment yeah. I'd like to take yeah. uh, take this time to say that Donald Trump uh, he has my full endorsement and support. And I think she's a like she is moves to the front of the line for for a running mate. Don't you think? I don't know. I mean, I had a private conversation with somebody very close to Trump who said she has the inside track, but the odds of her getting it are about ten percent. That doesn't sound like a very, very high number to me. So I don't know. You know, Trump was on my show last Friday, and when I asked him about these potential people, he said, quote, Sid, a VP has never won anyone the presidency. So he made it sound like it's not that important. I don't care. I brought up Nancy Mace, Carrie Lake, Tulsi Gabbard, Christy Nome, the guys on stage, and he seemed uh, relatively disinterested. So we'll see. Uh, but you mentioned Joe Biden, the broken Look, border. Sid, can I just add one yeah. thing to this? This yeah. is why it's important. This is the second term of Trump. He's done. And this will be the heir apparent. So this is the heir apparent. And Trump doesn't have to feel, he doesn't say, he doesn't want someone there that doesn't want to be ambitious. Like, for example, Dick Cheney says, I don't want to be president. That he has to say, whoever he picks, that is the one he's essentially anointing to say, you're going to have the machine behind you in four years if we win. No, that is a very good point. You're right. On the way out, uh, Biden, broken borders, all these issues. And the more smart people I talk to, like you, Brian, to be honest, uh, they say he ain't going to be the guy. Whether it's uh, the House GOP, they're going to get him. He's just not well enough. He's not going to be the guy. Now, I did see Kamala Harris do an interview last week, and she was touting I was the first woman AG, the first woman vice president. And the reason why they make fun of me is because they're scared because we may win again based upon the merit of our administration. She's completely delusional and, quite frankly, stupid. So I'm trying to figure out on the left if Biden doesn't do it and Michelle Obama doesn't jump in, who can take on somebody like Donald Trump and even win? And I can't seem to find that person. Can you? It's going. This is why I am rethinking that Biden could be out. I mean, I think to Trump has a better chance of representing the Republicans than, than Biden has for Democrats, and they're both favored to do both ways. Having said that, when you see things heat up on Hunter, the only way to save Hunter and maybe himself is to stay in power and pardon everybody, and then protect, fight to keep your papers secret because he's got so much to hide. You know, 62% of the country thinks that he is now linked with Hunter, which means we all know he lied. 
We knew he lied, but most of America didn't. They thought he's a he's a nice guy, he's a little limited, he's getting a little old, but man, at least we can trust him. That is not true. And the only way now for him to protect himself is to stay in power and pardon Hunter and stop the bleeding and stop the aggressive pursuit of his deals in China, Romania, Russia, Kazakhstan, and Ukraine. So that's why I think he stays in. And if he does not leave voluntarily and doesn't have a physical episode, that would get him out. Physically, voluntarily, there's no nothing that could stop it because he has Air Force One. He's got the machine. He's got the infrastructure. If he doesn't relinquish it, it'll be Ted Kennedy falling short against Jimmy Carter. It'll be Ronald Reagan falling short against Gerald Ford. He'll, he'll be wounded, but he'll keep the nomination. That's awesome. Brian Kilmeade, as always, you're the best. Again, once uh, Fox and Friends, every morning on Fox News, One Nation, going to be a big, big show coming up tomorrow night as Brian continues to break down Republicans versus Democrats. And, of course, right after me coming up in about two and a half hours, Kilmeade, have yourself a great weekend. Let's go, Giants. Great having you on, buddy, as always. Sid, I hate to correct you, but you are the best, okay? Let's just go with that. (laughs) I love you, pal. Thank you so much. There right, he is. Take care. Brian Kilmeade, right after me, every weekday morning here on WABC. And again, Fox and Friends and One Nation on Fox News. Still lots more to do. Friday morning with me, Sid Rosenberg, exclusively right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Not enough time for all that I want for you. Not enough time for every kiss, every touch. All the nights I want to be inside you We've no time to stop for the two of us No time to stop listen for our signs Not enough time for all that I want Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Who are these grown men who wear uh, football jerseys? I mean, it's embarrassing. You know, my dad's been cooking out there in the parking lot for about 15 years at Giant Stadium. Comes out there with the jersey ready to go, the big giant sweatsuit, cooking eggs in the morning. He's a mental patient. Absolutely. Yeah. My father, though, he's been doing that for a long time. He's a mental patient. All my family likes to do stuff like that. I mean, that's what you do on Sunday. You get up early and you get some bagels and you put the you put the jersey on. You get out to the parking lot. You party all day with the fans. You win the ball game. You go more drinking and steaks in the parking lot to go home. That's a day of football. That's the way it's supposed to be. I used to go with a bunch of cops out to uh, out to the Shea Stadium back in the whenever it was to see the Jets, and that's all we do. We get drunk in a parking lot. And uh, screaming and hollering at everybody, starting fights. And uh, about halfway through the game, I'd pass out. And uh, it was a nightmare. It sounds like a great time. I wish I was there for those days. You know, uh, MSNBC has just flashed on my screen. It looks like there is a, a plane has crashed into the World Trade Center. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone, how high.
That is, again, I know I played it yesterday, we'll play it again Monday. That is the actual audio you can hear. Not the best quality. My voice completely different. Had a much higher voice than I do now. 22 years ago, the late, great Don Imus and Charles McCord. And there we were having a conversation, as you heard about football, the night before the Giants, who had gone to the Super Bowl, that prior season, they got blown out. I actually covered that game with Craig Carton, my buddy Craig, and they got blown out by the Baltimore Ravens. I believe it was Super Bowl thirty-five in Tampa, Florida. So the Giants got the privilege of playing the next season on Monday Night Football, and they opened up on Monday night, September the 10th, in Denver against the Broncos. And Brian Greasy and Denver destroyed the Giants, killed them. The one thing I remember that game, though, was a former Giant wide receiver. The Giants took this wide receiver out of Stanford many, many years ago with the name of Ed McCaffrey. And his son, Christian, is now one of the best running backs in the National Football League for the 49ers. But McCaffrey was a really good Giant wide receiver, and then he uh, ended up in Denver. And that game, that Monday night, Ed McCaffrey ripped his knee to shreds and never played football again. He was a good player. And that's what I remember about the game. The Giants got killed. McCaffrey got hurt. Little did I know that the next morning I'd be parking my car in the parking lot at WFAN when Lou's favorite guy ran up to me to talk about the Giant game. The, the guy that reminded me so much of, what was that actor's name again? Um, Bruno Kirby. Oh, oh yeah. He, he was just oh, like Bruno looked, Kirby. Yeah, he looked, looked like Looked and Bruno. sounded like him. And I do. Yeah, yeah like yeah, in that movie, right? Like that movie. He's good, right? Yeah, he's good. He's good. Like, not as good as like the Giants tonight. You think they're gonna, I think they're going to. What do you think? You think so? Yeah. And he would do this, but, you know, it wasn't like you'd park your He would follow you. Follow you down. Outside, right, right down. And, and I'm heading towards the building. And we've all said this a billion times, right? Blue sky. Unusually beautiful for a late September or early September morning. Tuesday morning, blue sky, temperatures about 75 degrees. And, you know, again, there we were, me, Imus, and McCord talking about something as unimportant as a football game. And you heard Imus say MSNBC. At the time we were on MSNBC, we were on about 150 radio stations, MSNBC worldwide. This show should be on, too. I don't know, John, I know you're listening. I love you. No one loves you more than me. Time to simulcast this radio show. I don't care where we do it. It needs to be simulcast. But Imus was on MSNBC, and he um, he made that statement. Now, again, at the, the risk of repetition, Bernard was not in studio that day, my late great friend. He was on the streets. He was on 96th Street and Broadway because that day was a mayoral primary. And he was actually talking to people on the streets. So the guy that ran WFAN for 100 years, Mark Chernoff, assumed Bernie's position in the studio. Not the studio, but the production side that day, sitting next to you. He was right next to me. Yeah. And he put on the screen to Imus a plane hit the World Trade Center. But again... Not that far removed from Corey Lytle, the pitcher of the Yankees. And we all thought that some idiot crashed his uh, private plane into the World Trade Center, had no idea it was a commercial jet. And it wasn't until, I don't know, 15 minutes later, 
when uh, the legend Warner Wolf called in and he said, oh, my God, I live right by the Trade Center. I heard it. I mean, I heard the plane. It was right over us. That was no commercial jet. We're under attack. And that's when the world changed. They sent me home. And uh, I swear to God, but they said to me, because I was doing the midday show, Jody McDonald doing sports, and they said to me, and I swear, the court, no more sports for a while. And Mike Francesa came on that afternoon and said, if there's one more attack today, tomorrow, sometime next week, there'll never be sports again. And I went home, and I was living at the time on 21st Street and 8th Avenue, right in Chelsea. You know that apartment, Lewis, you were there. Uh, yep. And uh, the next morning, I actually... Walked to the West Side Highway, and there were people with signs that were rooting on the firemen, the cops, because we really thought early on they were going to find these people. I remember walking past St. Vincent's Hospital, and the pictures, the hundreds of pictures of loved ones that were missing. But unfortunately, it became very evident very quickly that there was not going to be a real triage. There were not going to be any bodies. And the folks that died were basically disintegrated and crushed when the buildings came down. It was horrific, man. I mean, I try to explain to my kids. My daughter's 19. She wasn't born until 2004. My son's 14. He wasn't born until 2007. They've seen the video of those planes hitting the buildings a million times, people screaming, that eerie beeping from all the fire department's oxygen tanks, all those brave souls. But you can't even explain it. That was one of those things where to really appreciate the horror, you had to be there. And I was there. I, uh, I walked by that site every day. Every day. I didn't live far from it. Less than two miles away. That smoke billowed into my building on 21st and 8th every morning. My eyes were bloodshot for the whole month of September. And then, of course, two months later, we're on the the Intrepid, me, Bernie, Lou, and I miss, and a plane crashes in the Rockaways. We're like, here it is. It's back. And as it turned out, of course, that was just a plane having mechanical difficulties, and lots of people died. It was horrific. But it wasn't a terrorist attack. But everything was just so crazy. Every time you heard a bump, you thought, oh, my God, here we go again. You know, look, if the terrorists, we used to say this all the time back then, you remember, if you don't do this, then the terrorists win. If you don't go to a Yankee game, because people were scared to death, and they were right. Forget about COVID. You thought COVID was scary. You'd always say, well, if you don't do this, the terrorists win. I got news for you. The terrorists won. They won. Because 22 years later, as brave as those souls were that died that day, And a guy like Rudy Giuliani, I hope he got millions last night at that Trump dinner. I really do. I hope Rudy Giuliani got millions. Because until the day that man leaves this earth, what he did during that period was enough for 10 brave people, 10 let alone one. I will always love, admire, and respect Rudy Giuliani. But don't be confused. Despite his heroic efforts and even for a while there, George Bush, 43, who had an awful second term and was really a dummy. But when he was on the wreckage with that bullhorn, his approval rating was 97%. When he threw out that first pitch, Yankee Diamondback World Series, when Derek Jeter told him what to do, 98%. So for that period of time, 
that important period of time, 43 did a tremendous job. It didn't end well, but he did a tremendous job. But don't confuse the issue. They won. And there are still a lot of people, whether it's Peter King or Bo Deedle or others, who say, it could happen again, it will happen again. Maybe not in that you know, style, crashing planes into buildings and killing 3,000, but they're hard at work every day. They're back at Afghanistan withdrawal last year, which killed 13 of our soldiers. Nice job, Joe Biden. ISIS, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, they're back, and they're at work every day trying to figure out how do we get them next. Well, we had leadership back then. At we least. had great leadership. That's what the great, we had that's Governor Pataki, difference. not this stupid yeah. wench, uh-huh. Hochul. We had Rudy uh-huh. Giuliani, Drew not this Rudy. wannabe Eric Adams. Rudy, we had amazing. Bush, who tried at least, not this corrupt animal, Joe Biden. We had leadership. And you know what the difference was? They were Republicans. These people are Democrats. You always say, don't make a political, Sid. How could I not? How could I not? All the leaders in the last 22 years... From what happened in this city during that tragic period to this country, all the good ones are Republicans. Let's not forget, I like Bill Clinton, I do. I hate his wife. Hate's a strong word, but I hate her. She was at the party last night. You couldn't pay me $1,000 to go. She hates me anyway, but but I kind of like Bill. But Bill was a farce. You know, the country did great under Bill Clinton because he let everything happen. He, he, you know, he's no dummy. Did he think that what he allowed happen with the mortgages eventually that was going to come back and bite somebody in the ass? He had Osama bin Laden three times, three times. Let him go every time. And that poor bastard Bush, that dummy, sitting in a school one day with a little bunch of kids in Florida, was like, what? Clinton had Osama three times. So for all the Clinton loving we do, and I do some of it too, don't confuse the issue. Things were going well when he was president, but he did things that ensured, ensured we were going to pay. And we did. In a big way. In a big way. So Monday, in three days, we're going to commemorate 22 years. And I wasn't alive on Pearl Harbor, so I apologize. My lifetime, far and away the most tragic day in the history of this country, it's going to be a sad day. It's going to be a celebratory day because in my lifetime, I've never seen New Yorkers. And I'm not going to talk about the whole country. I'm not in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. I'm not at the Pentagon. I was in Boca, but fine. New Yorkers never came together like they did during that time. It was special. It took a horrible tragedy, but it was special. And again, the brave souls that ran up the stairs. Listen carefully, cop haters out there, you douchebags. The cops who ran up the stairs, who knew those buildings were coming down, they knew it. They ran up the stairs. What were you doing, tough guy? What were you doing? Those people will celebrate on Monday, too. Yes, this is the worst president of my lifetime. This administration finds new ways almost every day to destroy this country. But give me the opportunity to live somewhere else? No thanks. America is still, like me, number one.
seven WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. been years since they released a new song, like a, almost a decade. I don't even know, but Mick Jagger's 80 years old. This is called Angry. Sounds angry, but sounds like the Stones. Good, right, I guess? I liked it right away. You like it right away. Yeah, and that doesn't happen with me. There's my You a big Stones guy like yeah. Arthur Wright Donald, big, big Stones guy? I, I don't need to see them ever again. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah. You know, I actually saw them sitting with uh, Fallon a couple nights ago. And, um, you know, Charlie Watts is dead, which sucks, but Ron Wood was there and Keith Richards and, and Jagger. And, you know, when you when you watch, I like Jimmy Fallon. I, I find him to be funny and entertaining and likable, right? But I know he's full of crap. I know he is. I like when he dances with Justin Timberlake. I think he's cute. I do. I like this movie with Drew Barrymore. But it turns out we got to be careful. Like, I liked Ellen DeGeneres. I liked her. I did. Turns out Ellen DeGeneres was like the biggest bitch on wheels, and nobody wanted to work with her. And now a story surfaced a couple of days ago that all the folks on Jimmy Fallon's show can't stand him either. So be careful. When you see these folks, they dance, they look cute, they smile, they look happy. Turn out to be real pricks. Like Lou, for example. You never know. No. He's an angry little bastard. That's why he likes that song. It's titled Angry. But you see, nobody knows that. Well, now they do. A million people just heard me say it. Right. But you could be lying. I could be. I've lied before. Probably yeah. lied twice already this morning. I'm not lying about this. Uh, I, more than I think more than twice. <laughs> yeah. Twice. That's you a son lie of a right bitch. You see right this? There. That's three. Right three lies. Right. Okay, now, fine. Keep them coming. Least, least well, do you like Jimmy Fallon? Yes, I have liked Jimmy Fallon. I just don't like the the overlap he does with guests too much. That's one of the things. Yeah, like just 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 say just say something. So just, um, uh, Justin Ellick has a small <laughs> penis. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Well. Oh, yeah. and, and you know, I did see that in your latest yeah. book. That is unbelievable. Wow, I am so I, I, I cannot get enough of this album. Nicely I done. Can't. There you have. <laughs> that was also that was also not a lie. <laughs> I was going to say another lie. All right. So at a great table last night at this big party. Once again, congratulations to cousin Brucey and John Katsimatidis, and what a wonderful event they all put on. John, Margot, Chad, Emily. All deserve uh, really praise for a wonderful night at a great table. And at my table was Ricky Gold and his uh, lovely fiance, sweet girl. Uh, Ricky, of course, is Mr. Juice Reel. Dan Mason sat next to me, too. He's also part of the Juice Reel family. And Ricky comes in every Monday and Friday to get you ready for the big football weekends. Last night, we opened the NFL season with a 21-20 road win for the Lions. The Lions won nine games last year, almost made the playoffs. They were maybe the story of the league in terms of surprising teams, and they win week one on the road 
against the reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. So the Lions may be very good again. Kansas City, no Travis Kelsey, different football team, but now we're set up for a long weekend of NFL football. So here he is from Tucson, my friend Ricky Gold. Ricky, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning. I'm uh, I'm doing all right. Oh, what a night last night. It was night. fun, right? <laughs> that was a great time. Well, what is your girlfriend's name again? Uh, Lindsay. She's cute. Very cute girl. Well, now, thank are you, you. Are you engaged or married? Uh, she's my girlfriend. Uh, How jo- long has she been your girlfriend? Uh, she's been my girlfriend uh, eight years now. Are you kidding? So she was your girlfriend in college in, in Florida? In college, yeah. We're both Gators. So did you know her before then? Eight years? You had to. Yeah, we met. Uh, it was my last year at college. Uh, wow. Her sophomore year. Well, you're banging her for eight years. Shouldn't you get engaged <laughs> or something? I mean, what are you waiting for? Yeah, you know. We're, I need we're, money. I don't have any money, Sid. If I had your money, which I don't have, by the way, it's a lie. <laughs> um, she's a lovely girl. You guys are a very cute Thank couple. You. Thank you're you. a handsome kid. All right, so we got uh, a couple of big games coming up this weekend. Before we get to those games, tell everybody why Juice Reel is where they should go right now to figure out who's going to win and, and all the trends and all the angles. Give us a quick synopsis once again on Juice Reel. Yes, I mean, if you're betting on sports, like I'm sure uh, a lot of your listeners are, myself included. Degenerates. Uh, <laughs> what, are you kidding me? It's it's really, how could you not be using a tool like Juice Reel? You know, it starts with connecting in your betting accounts, your DraftKings, your FanDuel, your MGM, you know, your neighborhood bookie account. All of your bets load into the platform, and we give you analytics on yourself. And with everybody loading in all of their bets we can start to create really interesting insights based on all of the data that our whole user community sinks in. So if, so if guys are successful, they become the barometer for good, and you take into account what they're doing and what the losers are doing, and then you ultimately make picks based on that. It, it, exactly. That, that's one of the ways. You know, we've got right. an AI bot that puts out picks. Um, but, yeah, that that's one of the more interesting things. You know, there's all those other apps out there that tell you where the public money is and, you know, what is that public money? Right, They're right. not counting my bet. They're not counting right. your bet. Right. With us, it's we're using real data from real people, and we're splitting out what exactly on each game are the very best bettors doing and what on each game are the very worst bettors doing and looking for times where the best bettors are on a different team. All right. And I like the worst that. Betters. Well, let's get to the, uh, the three big games. Don't forget still to come on this uh, show this morning, Joseph Takapina. He'll join us next. We're going to talk to the beautiful actress, Alexandra Vigneault. She'll be in studio. And Rudy Giuliani. Yes, Rudy's going to stop by at 940, fresh off his big, big dinner with President Trump in Bedminster last night. You're not going to want to miss that. Rudy Giuliani makes his first appearance anywhere with me coming up at 940. Let's get to the Giant game. I'll be there Sunday night, the home Giants, depending upon your book, uh, I saw a book this morning had the Giants getting two and a half, not three and a half, hosting the Dallas Cowboys, a team they have not beaten consistently for years. Dak Prescott beats on the Giants. Giants and Cowboys, rookie gold on Sunday night. What do they tell you? You know, I'm not that afraid of uh, the Cowboys this year. Uh, I, and I saw all the way up at three and a half uh, at FanDuel and a couple other books, the Giants. Uh, and a lot of our best bettors on the Giants, a lot of our worst bettors on the Cowboys. So good day for New York. But you're going to want to follow the, follow that data as game time approaches in the app. Okay, so stay with the app. And, again, the app is free, right, Juice Real? Correct. But right now, as of this time, 835 on Friday morning, the pick is the Giants plus the points. Correct. I mean, most of the guys that gamble all the time, they, you know, they have the the home dog. Don't bet against the home dog. Uh, Kansas City lost at home last night, but they were the favorite. They weren't a home dog. And the Jets and the Giants are both home dogs, so guys tend to lean in that direction. 
But I would say sometimes they're home dogs for a reason because the other team is better. But I do think the Giants are going to cover it, too. Let's get to the Jets. Aaron Rodgers makes his debut like the Giants. They're a home dog. Very same stadium next night, Monday night, 9-11. Jets hosting Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. What does Juice Real tell you? Data's leaning for the Jets, so good day for New York sports really? on primetime. Yeah, plus two and a half. So uh, the Juice Real says take both New York teams at home plus the points on Sunday and Monday. Correct. All right. And then uh, one of the other games that, for some reason, a lot of folks are talking about, the Niners and the Steelers. And I think Brock Purdy is back. He did play the last preseason game, got hurt in that game against the Eagles. We weren't sure if he's going to play this year, but he is back. So Purdy will quarterback the Niners in Pittsburgh against the Steelers. Niners are much better, much better. But here we go again, home dog. You got the homegrown product out of Pittsburgh University playing quarterback for the Steelers. That may pose an issue. Niners minus in Pittsburgh. What does Deuce Real say? Yeah, let's jump into the numbers for a second on this one because uh, there's a lot of smart people betting on this game. People smarter than me, that's for sure. Um, but 70% of the best, of looking at everyone at the game, 70% of the best bettors are on the Steelers. And only 20, uh, looking at just the worst bettors, just 25% of the worst bettors are on the Steelers. So mm-hmm. that's 70 minus 40 being 20, 45%. Yeah, we call that sharp mush, the difference between the sharps and the mush. That 45% sharp mush strength uh, leaning Steelers. There you go. Another example of a home dog. Yeah. So, so you realize that you gave me three picks. Jets, Giants, and Steelers, all three home dogs, and Deuceville likes all three. Correct. I'm uh, I'm trusting the data on this one, but I'll be following that uh, as game time approaches. All right, we got a lot more to talk about uh, tomorrow on the Best of Sid, which I believe does a 13 in the ratings. That's a number you've never heard of before because Howard Stern couldn't imagine that. Uh, but that does happen every Saturday morning. You and I will do a 30-minute deal on that, right? Is that coming up tomorrow? Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Do you want to say something else? You suck your finger up at me. Oh, uh, no. Is I'm that just, your middle uh, finger? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, that's good. No, no. Uh, that, that's all I have. But, yeah, apps called Juice Real, Juice Juice like orange juice, R E E L. Juice real, R E E L. Let's have a big Sunday. Let's have a big Sunday, and it, it's free. But Correct. if you want to do things like purchase pigs and stuff like that, it's still very, very affordable. Of course, yeah, nine nine dollars a month if you want, you know, picks from an AI bot looking at all of our data. But awesome. Uh, Thank you, Ricky Gold. There you go, folks. Three home dogs, Giants plus the points Sunday night at home against the Cowboys. Jets plus the points Monday night at home against the Bills. Joe Nolan coming up next. We'll be happy to hear that. And the Steelers plus the points Sunday afternoon hosting the 49ers. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. For my friends. 77 WABC. All right, we've got um, three guests next hour. Got Governor David Patterson, Alexandra Vignol, and Rudy Giuliani all coming up next hour. A big final hour of the week. Rudy had his big dinner last night, put on by my friend President Trump, raising money for Giuliani's legal funds. You know, uh, Andrew Giuliani came on yesterday. I told you the story that he got called the day before by CNN, MSNBC, all these networks. And they said, uh, give us a quote on your father's dinner tonight. And he said, nope. He said, you want a quote? Make sure you listen to me on Sid Rosenberg's show on WABC tomorrow. 
and you could take it from there. And he actually screenshot all the conversations, sent them to me, and they all said, okay, we'll tune in, fine. So sure enough, CNN wrote a big story last night, right before the event took place, and they mentioned Andrew and Sid Rosenberg and this radio show, and it had to pain them to do that because they all hate me there, and I hate them. But the event did go off, and I spoke to Andrew because we had our own event, obviously, about an hour in, and they were doing great. I didn't get any final numbers, but CNN is reporting this morning that my friend Rudy needs about five mil. And before the event even happened last night, the number was over a million. So I don't know how much he raised in all. He's got a GoFundMe page. There's a lot of folks outside of Trump's dinner last night that are trying to help my friend Rudy Giuliani. You need to do it, too. So when Rudy comes on at 940, we'll get all that information. But I do want to commend President Trump for doing that last night. And all you folks that helped Rudy, we are three days away, folks, as I talked about a little while ago. Three days away from the 22-year commemoration of 9-11. I'll ask you one question. If, God forbid, the guy who's mayor right now was the mayor back then, how much worse would America's worst day, how much worse would it have been? If you don't love Rudy Giuliani, I don't care that he defends Donald Trump. I don't. He thinks the election was rigged. So what? If you don't love Rudy Giuliani and you live in New York like Michael Rappaport, you're a scumbag. But that man did 22 years ago. No one in my lifetime has come close in any political capacity. And if you've forgotten about it, you wake up Monday morning, forget about the Giants and Cowboys and the Jets and the Bills. Take some time to think about the brave souls that died that day, or what Woody Giuliani did that day, and weeks and months afterwards to make life manageable for us here in New York. And send them a check. My next guest is also an attorney like Rudy, happens to be the best in the world, best defense attorney anywhere, and one of President Trump's esteemed attorneys, a dear friend of mine, for 46 years, the rugged and handsome Joseph Tacopina. Tac, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sydney, how are you, brother? How are you, kid? All right? I read all those articles where they actually quoting Andrew and your show. Yeah, I know. Crazy. Isn't that great? It's like, what? what? Yeah, he actually told them, I'm not giving you anything. You have to listen to the show. So CNN had listened to the show, and I called them out during the interview purposely, but they still printed it. And, of course, look, look, you're an attorney, Joe. You represent Trump, too. You could easily be in the same position. It just And even Alan Dershowitz has said on the show a million times, what a sick place we've gotten to when attorneys, attorneys are being, you know, basically sued or, 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 or arrested for defending their clients. That's all yeah, that I mean, Rudy Giuliani did, Joseph. He defended yeah. his client. That's it. When, and he put forth claims that his client and Rudy believed in. Right or wrong, there has to be a criminal intent, right? So there has to be, they had to both know, and not just both of them, the, the, the 18 others, right? They, they had to know that what they were doing was fraudulent. What they were doing was was a lie, portraying a lie. They they had to know that the election was not stolen. Okay, they, I'm telling you, if they believed it, fully believed it, which you know they both do. Okay, 
then there's no way that this should be a criminal offense. Because if they believe they were acting to protect the United States Constitution, to protect the constituents, to protect the people, um, if they truly believe that, then what they did was not fraudulent, was not a crime, and, and it shouldn't have been brought. And, you know, but here we go again. You know, we're just back into that, you know, same scenario. But yet on the other side of the fence, you have allegations of, of bribery and, 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 and tax evasion and, and, you know, dealing with foreign governments and, and, and you know, the Biden family pocketing millions and millions of dollars with, quote, unquote, business dealings, which is, you know, an acronym for, uh, you know, working with foreign governments to, to curry favor. Um, yet these charges are being brought with ferocity. And, and, you know, if you listen to the narrative by the left-wing media, it's almost as if, you know, nothing that the Biden family does is really that serious. Not that bad. But if Trump believed that the election was stolen, even if they don't think it was, but he truly believed it, he's a liar and he should go to jail for you know, right forever. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, there's a crazy hypothetical because it's just not true. It's not even close. But let's assume for one second, Joseph, one second, that the media was fair. <laughs> But I'm telling you, I've never, I never thought it was this way. I, I know. I, I know. Representing President Trump, I just never thought it was this of way. Of course not. But, but let's assume for one but second the media, let, okay. let's assume the media was fair and they looked at every story the same way and they weren't trying to destroy Donald Trump financially and they weren't trying to protect Joe Biden. They were completely fair. And uh, they arrest and indict Biden because of what he's done, his son has done, his brother has done, and all these scumbags. And now you've got the unenviable task of representing one of the two. Who would be harder to defend, assuming it was all on the table right now? Donald Trump no, okay. and their allegations or Joe Biden? How easily Donald Trump is. I mean, it's, it's not even a close call. Uh, but but there's a big X factor there, assuming the media is going to be fair. I've read every article. So when I prepare for your show, you know, I go make sure I, I, I've not missed anything. And I just, again, can't believe the things that I'm reading about the Biden investigation. I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about Hunter Biden's business dealings and Joe Biden's involvement with them. They call it business dealings, which is really just a, a, another word for influence peddling, right? And, and it's unbelievable that no one cares that at all that there is – what did Hunter Biden where, – where was his requisite knowledge or experience have any business dealings whatsoever with the Ukraine energy oligarchs or, or the Chinese financiers or any other figures? Where, where was that experience from? It had nothing to do with his value-add. Clearly, the guy has hardly any value-add anywhere. But yet millions and millions of dollars were paid. It's called influence peddling. If Donald Trump's son, if Eric – had been in the same position, had been on the board of a Chinese oil company, had been tied to a Ukraine company, was getting millions of dollars for being on a board. Do you understand how they would be banned for the scope of not only Donald Trump, his son, you know, the father of Donald Trump, the ancestors of Donald Trump? They would want the whole family I mean, it's it's and that's and by, and by the way, Joseph, you, you, you're just talking about the business dealings. Let's look at it from the moral point of view. Could you imagine if Don Jr. or Eric got a got a got a hooker pregnant, smoked crack with a prostitute, banged his dead brother's wife, his own sister-in-law? Forget about the business dealings from a moral standpoint. I'm no angel. From a moral standpoint, do they come worse? Than that Biden family. They, 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 no, they mock everything Donald Trump does, and they, they make him out to be the worst human being to ever walk the face of the earth. And this is such a crazy narrative because when you look at Hunter Biden, he he really is the epitome 
of everything wrong with the privileged, right? With with the people who think that they can do anything they want and get away with it. But God forbid, I see that picture one more time of him holding a gun with naked, with oh. just that little black thing. And that that oh. black that black bar is very little. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if I see that picture one more time, I'm gonna vomit. Every time I open it, whenever I have food in front of me, oh, <laughs> I feel ill. Like oh. who took that picture? <laughs> You know, I still have I still have friends. No, I still have friends that uh, call you Joey Tight Pants because of some of the pictures you and I have taken. And you, unlike Hunter Biden, are uh, well. You're well hung, Joseph. It is you know, uh, the, the whole thing would be black. <laughs> I, I was in that picture. The whole thing. <laughs> That's why Trump loves you. That's oh, the guy's on his trip. Went off the rails in a hurry. <laughs> So, oh, so I don't know if you heard the Trump interview last Friday. I replayed it again this morning at about uh, six forty-five. Don't move, Dallas Rodriguez. But uh, President Trump was on. He was in a great mood. I started the interview by playing a message from my mother, and Donald oh, Trump brought up Naomi. Oh yeah, he brought up Naomi like four times throughout the conversation. He loved it. He loved it. And you know, again, I I, I had this conversation with uh, somebody yesterday. Maybe been like Donald Dershowitz. I don't know. And and they said, look. He certainly acts like everything's okay, but he's human. He's human. And facing four indictments and E. Jean Carroll, which you did a great job on, she's still in the news. You know, money coming out of his ass. You know, he's human. It's got to be bothering him. He doesn't act like it. And, And I thought about it, and the truth is they have to be, right? You're in constant contact with President Trump. He acts as if everything is okay, but he's got to be hurting just a little, though. I mean, come on, man. Yes. Yes, I, look, he's not said that to me, by the way, because he is a warrior and he is someone who, you know, somehow turns these things into energy and somehow turns these things into momentum. And 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 he, he again, I just this is a new world for me. But you know, we, with each indictment, he gets better poll members. I mean, like it's a new, it's gonna be, it's a great new campaign strategy. Get indicted, you will, you will win the election. Well, you know what's funny about that? When people ask me, what is your advice? I'm becoming a great radio talent. I say, well, I went to jail twice and rehab twice, and life experience is what made it for me kind of similar in that respect. Uh, it's not about school. Do the bad thing, and uh, it works out well for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. I hope all the children out there listening today have really let that message sink in because it's really the, the recipe for success. No, but it's true. It is. Life experience makes you yeah, better and stronger. Of course. Of course. And, and listen, listen to me. There is it, there's the greatest, greatest Teddy Roosevelt quote. I mean, and, and to me, that's the, 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 the pinnacle. But it says it's not the critic who counts. It's the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. Wow. The credit belongs to okay. the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood wow. and who strives valiantly. Right. That that's it's I love that. what we're talking about here. It's what we're talking about here. I mean, so it's it's the one who falls and gets up. Is the is the true victor, not the ones who never get in the game. I mean, I listen to these people commenting on Donald Trump or the, 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 the condemning his lawyers' actions and whatnot in these cases, and it, it makes me laugh because these are people who wouldn't even know where the the, the, the witness stands in the courtroom. Mm. These, these yep. so-called lawyers. I mean, yep. these are TV lawyers that have not tried a case uh, and 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 have no experience yet. They act as if they are the the you know the bar for when it what's right and what's wrong. Let one of them get in the ring and try and deal with this kind of stuff. Because we as his lawyers, as Donald Trump's lawyers, not only have to deal with with clearly an agenda, criminalization of the and weaponization of the justice system, but but hate hate at a different level. 
when we're just fighting to do our jobs, it's a different level of hate from the left. And yep. then it gets personal. They start attacking. Uh, I see poor John Laurel is a terrific guy and I know very well. I mean, they are mocking him and, 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 and ripping him to shreds. And it, but it's the same writers. It's the same audience. And it's the same. So, so try and get in the ring before you sit there and talk about, you know, what someone else is doing right or wrong. You know, and, and I'm, getting, I'm in quotes mood, obviously. But the last thing I'll say to you is this. Winston Churchill is great, and Winston Churchill is my idol, okay? Success is not final, failure is not fatal. It's the courage to continue that counts, Sid. You, you're a living proof of that, brother. Thank you. You're right there, a living proof of that. <laughs> and, and, and same with Donald Trump, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's the courage to continue. Once you get knocked down, everyone gets knocked down. Get up. How do you deal with getting knocked down? That's what's important here. I love you. Uh, great job. And those are two great people to quote, Churchill and Roosevelt. The great Joseph Takapina, the man joining me here. So uh, I know you're listening on Tuesday, but uh, I, I am a longtime friend from the day they beat Nebraska back in 1983 to win the national championship with former Hurricane, great Cleveland Brown, great Dallas Cowboy, great Miami Dolphin, great Bernie Kosar. And uh, Bernie comes on the show now every now and then. He's been on twice over the last couple of weeks. He was on Tuesday. Miami had a big win over Miami of Ohio last week, 38-3. It gets a lot tougher this week. They're taking on Texas A&M. But I'm not the most famous person who went to Miami. I think Alex Rodriguez is the great New York Yankee, Texas Ranger, blah, blah, blah. And you spent a lot of time with your former client, the great Alex Rodriguez, just this week. What was going on with that? Yeah, no, yesterday Alex and I spent time together I, you know we're, we're partnering up in a real estate deal um in in miami and and alex i gotta tell you something i was at his office yesterday okay he what he has done is is nothing short of mind-boggling he is quietly become a, a true mogul i mean he's worth untold amount yeah. of money, but more than the amount of money he's worth it's the business he's put together he has people Running his businesses like, uh, you know, like uh, IBM. I mean, it is really a substantial corporation. Aaron Knight is his sort of chief executive officer. There's someone who runs all these products. It's um, unbelievable what he's done. His returns are incredible. But he's just really become, you know, when I look at Alex now, I'm, I feel like I'm talking to a very successful, wealthy, professional sports team owner, not one of the greatest well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because with a lot of these, and Alex was on a cast steroids or not, he's one of these, one of the two or three best shortstops ever. Right. No question. But, but a lot of these guys, like you talked about me and Trump getting up. To me, when I judge these guys, I like to see what they do after their great career. So, like Magic Johnson, this guy has, you talk about a mogul. Magic Johnson's had an unbelievable yeah. off-the-court career. A-Rod, too, and, and sometimes we don't give enough credit. What they do after they're done playing may define them even more. And to yeah. your point, A-Rod is one of the greats in this country with that. Oh, my God. And it's so tr- unbelievable, though. He owns, understand, he's he's part owner and real owner, not like, you know, I own 1% of the team. He's half owner of the, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the <laughs> franchise. He's operating. I mean, I've watched him. You know, he's, he's someone who's involved. And it's so it's so impressive to watch this. And he's such a good guy. Alex, you know, another one who's easy to, you know, when when he was going through all this stuff that you would have thought he was like John Dillinger. Um, but but it's they actually, Alex and I were talking yesterday, they actually compared him to Whitey Bulger. No, I know. During his yeah. Yeah, space yeah. will start. I mean, by the way, he, he's still a villain. He's, he'll always be a villain here. Um, and he can't be happy that Ben Affleck is banging his former wife, but still. But he's always going to be a villain I here. I think he's moved on enough. Uh, I hope he has. I hope he has. But yeah, he'll, he'll always be a villain here because, you know, he unfortunately had a play right next to Derek Jeter on the Yankees. And Yankee fans, for some reason, made it like, we can only love one of you, and we're picking Jeter. I don't know why, but that's what they did. Yeah, so 
Um, I think, you know what, the Yankee fans now still love him. I mean, I still see a lot of A-Rod jerseys when, you know, I'm yeah, in Yankee Stadium. Yep. Um, you know, you still see a lot of that. And, and he's still idolized. And, and look, so we're in his conference room yesterday. And it's a beautiful thing, his place. And, and But at one point, we walked, and he gave me a little tour of the office, and there's a part where it shows his lifetime statistics on some mural or something. Holy God. I know. I mean, when you look at those numbers. I know. That's not, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, baseball, video baseball game numbers. I know. It's crazy. That's why the baseball Hall of Fame is so stupid. I don't care about steroids. Anybody who makes an argument that Bonds or A-Rod or Clemens or Pete Hank Aaron, all the greats. And, and listen, and I love those guys to be the 70s, 60s, 70s. Baseball was baseball. But all of those guys were on in, in performance-enhancing Drugs. They've all said it. It wasn't steroids. Instead, it was speed. It was different forms of right. of, of speed. Greenies. They, they, the they actually they actually called them greenies. But that's illegal. Now. I know. Like, Listen, I know. But yet, yet no one. And like, but come on, stop the hip, hypocrisy. I agree. I agree. Um, Rodriguez belongs in the Hall of Fame. If, if there is, should be a Hall of Fame. By the way, so does Pete Rose. And I don't want to get started with that. Oh, too. That that is ridiculous. Over four thousand hits, not in the Hall of Fame. I don't oh, care if he's been in the Reds or not. He should be in the Hall of Fame. It is stupid. Yeah. And, and by the way, the people that, that say that they're no good, don't vote for them. I'd love to see their porn collection. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's good stuff. Are you going with a ride to a Miami game soon, or what's happening yeah. with that? Uh, like Saturday, like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Oh, you're going to the A and M game? Yeah. <laughs> oh. I'm down here, but that's the game that's going to determine whether yes. this Hurricanes team, this uh, Hurricane team is phenomenal. Agree. Starting nine true freshmen. Yeah. Mark Fletcher, the running back, is the next Derrick Henry. He's amazing. He's 18 years old. They have Reuben Bain, whose father played on the great teams, who's 18. He's an edge rusher. Fresh, true freshman. He weighs like yeah. 755 pounds. No, he's good. I know he is. Yeah. And Ben Dyke's a nice quarterback. And Oh, yeah. And, and they, 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 Chris, let me tell you, Crystal Ball, after all the slack he got for five and seven last year, is a legendary. Oh, I know. Listen, when, if, if you go on the field, you walk up, and we got to run here, but you walk up to Mario Cristobal when he was coaching at FIU in uh, in Florida. He was a football coach, and Isaiah Thomas was the basketball coach, the real Isaiah, Hall of Fame of Detroit yeah. Pistons. You ask Cristobal, who is your favorite sports media guy ever down in Florida? He's going to tell you me. So you walk over and say hello for me, okay? I'm going to say hello, and yeah. don't forget it's all about the you. All about the you, baby. Just like you are. I love you, Joe Takapina. Great job today. Say hello to Alex. Say hello to Cristobal. Enjoy the game as always. Excellent appearance. Okay, brother. Bye. My man, Joe Takapina. Donald Trump attorney. Great defense attorney. He's got them all. Rihanna, Aesop, Rocky. <laughs> you name it. He got them. Three big guests coming up next hour. Governor David Patterson, actress Alexandra Vignon, and Rudy Giuliani. Last hour of the week. Keep it right here. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC.
drives, the cars. Today is Benjamin Orr's birthday. This is his song. I know that Rick Ocasek was since passed away, was married to that supermodel Paulina. He did most of the cars' vocals, but uh, Benjamin Orr wrote this song. Is that right? Is he singing this song too? Yes. Yes. Man, he did stay the night. We did, uh, played that earlier, his um, solo stuff. So great job out of you, Lou Rafino. And Woody Giuliani is going to join me at 940. He's right. Get those prostates checked, men. Do it today. He mentioned Bernard, and it was so great last night at this beautiful party seeing Carol, Bernard's wife. What a beautiful girl she is. My God. No wonder they all loved it. Gary Delabate, Mike Breen, everybody. But um, Carol McGurk was there. His, his children, also beautiful kids. Melanie and his son, Brendan, and his daughter-in-law, Jessica. They've got a little boy now, Colin McGurk, Bernie's grandson. So, Rudy, you're right. And we'll talk to Rudy coming up at 940. Rudy had that dinner last night with President Trump. We'll see how well that went. Actress Alexandra Vigneault in studio next. My next guest, I've been with this guy a couple of times the last couple of weeks, really thanks to Keith Kantrowitz and Anthony Carone. But we did a Met game together. And then just a couple of nights ago, this great dinner at Elio's, a whole bunch of cool people, including Paul Carlucci and Mark Simone and a whole bunch of folks. He's the former governor of New York, David Patterson. And while I like Governor Patterson, even though he maligns my dear friend Curtis Sliwa too much for my liking, he's on for one reason. And, Governor, do you know why you're invited on this morning, the major reason? Well, I'm just shocked that uh, in all these luminaries that you interview these days, President Trump, Rudolph Giuliani, um, Miller, I hadn't heard him on the radio in a long time, Amelia Earhart, you have all the big stars, <laughs> and you were able to squeeze me, and I'm just thankful to be here no matter what the reason. No, no, but and you are here, but you, you did say something at dinner on Tuesday night which was so nice, and and the best way to get to me, because I'm really shallow, really shallow, is to compliment me, <laughs> and which you did. And I don't know exactly well, who would you compare me to in radio history on Tuesday night. I oh, love that. You know, I grew up listening to radio, and, and there wasn't the type of technology for the blind just now where you can listen to read the newspapers and that kind of thing. So radio was my education. So people like Barry Gray, who was on at 11 o'clock at night, and then Barry Farber was a big. Larry King had a national show, but it was played in New York. And they became sort of the voices of New York. People talked about what they talked about during the day. And I see that capacity in you. I, I see that could happen. Thank you know, you. Uh, you're right up there on, uh, you know, it's a little bit of a transition from what you used to do. But you seem to have done it pretty seamlessly. So uh, thank you. Good luck, and I thank think you. it will all be great. Well, thank you. That's really seriously. On a serious note, that's very, very sweet, and I appreciate that because you are uh, a very, very bright guy. And but look, we have some differences in opinion. I, I, I don't think Eric Adams is doing a good job. In fact, I think he's doing a horrendous job. And you know, for him to come out and tell us, well, this is going to be the end of New York, this uh, migrant thing. How come I knew that a month ago? Now, now a year ago, I should say. Now, you were on a couple of weeks ago, and you said, well, how did he have any idea it was going to happen? And I said, Governor Patterson, the border has been wide open from day one. He calls himself the Biden of Brooklyn. Well, his friend, Joe Biden, has made all this possible, and he's done really nothing about it. Lately, he's a little critical of the federal government. But the truth is, Governor David Patterson, even you could have seen this coming a year ago. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) yeah. But, <laughs> oh, that's you see, no deed goes unpunished. But uh, the, the thing, the, the thing is, 
that um, and and this 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 happens on sides of the aisle. In this case, it's Democrats. Is that I don't think anyone ever envisioned that the federal government would open up the borders, not send any relief to any of the entities that they wind up in, and create this chaos at a time when we have other problems in this country. And this has superseded it. And I think as much as all most Democrats feel that they uh, would like to see the borders relaxed or that, you know, people should have the same opportunities to come to this country as people did years ago. But there is a point when it becomes actually dangerous. And I think that's what was pointed out. And I think what he if he's guilty of anything, it was holding the line. Uh, as as you point out, as many people, mostly Republicans, are trying to point out that this is unfathomable. That this is not something that can be sustained when you have ten thousand people coming to a city every month. So uh, you know, some of my colleagues might have been late to the dance. I did see that this could get out of hand, and uh, it, it you know. Better late than never, I'll put it that well, way. Well, no, you're right. And, and I got it. You, you were fair there. You said, hey, look, if you're going to be critical, he did toe the line. So I thought you were very fair there. Uh, Kathy Hochul showed up at our event last night, Governor Patterson, and Curtis was actually booing her loudly. And, and I know that uh, some folks may have found that to be distasteful. I found it to be uh, erotic, to be honest with you. I think I had an, an, an erection because uh, I can't stand her. Oh, what, <laughs> what is your relationship with the governor, and, and what do you think? how do you think she's done with this so far? Because say what you want about you. You're actually a good governor. You're a Democrat, but you're a really good governor. What about her? Well, I think that. She, uh, even more than uh, Mayor Adams, wanted to work with the White House to, you know, try to make this be as seamless as possible. I saw a quote from her yesterday. Who imagined that uh, uh, an endless number of people could come for an endless period of time and some way government could support it? But she's she's on the right page now herself. I think that... um, uh, you know, I I don't think she, she expected, at, nor did Mayor Adams, really, nor did anyone, for this to keep happening. And the, and the federal government did absolutely nothing about it. I can't remember the last time in history yeah. that the federal government, and yeah. the, starting with the president, encumbered a state and a bunch of cities with a with a uh, uh, a voluminous number of problems, and sits there as if. There's nothing wrong and says that they've uh, uh, secured the border more than anyone else. That's a lie. That's that's when you're getting to the point when when it's becoming facetious. Oh, they, they've lied. I mean, Biden's lied, Kamala Harris, Mayorkas, they should all be impeached and put in prison. Two minutes to go. You're a little more hesitant to, to criticize Adams and Hochul. Fine, I'm okay with that. But you did bring up the President of the United States. And who was on with me most recently who said, oh, Brian Kilmeade, about two hours ago, Governor Patterson, said, look, I really believe that this issue, immigration, illegals, migrants, this is going to be the downfall for Democrats. The Republicans did not get the red wave we wanted and expected to back in 2022. Really, abortion was the killer there. But this immigration issue will be the downfall for the Democrats. In your estimation, hyperbole or he's on to something? I think that if Democrats start reacting the way Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams are reacting now, 
that that can be avoided. Otherwise, it's going to be the same problem we had in 2022 when the crime issue alone almost uh, elected Lee Zeldin governor. The, the crime issue alone. Actually, if Zeldin had a few more issues that he talked about, he might have been governor. But at the end, I think, you know, Hochul really realized she had to embrace the issue. But I'll admit, we as a party, we've got to start dealing with these issues when they happen and not after uh, the catastrophes occur. All right, well, listen, I've enjoyed uh, the last couple weeks hanging out with you. We're going to do it again. I think the next dinner is going to be at Michael's in Brooklyn. i got to talk to Kandrowitz and Carol later on today. But uh, you're a very, very nice man. You really are. You're very smart. You love your baseball. And I know down deep you love Curtis. I know you do. And uh, that's all I care about, Dave. So thank you for hopping on this morning. I know. Uh, even under hypnosis, I couldn't help Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> you were great. Thank you for hopping on and keep coming back. We'll do this all the time. Okay, Governor? Take care. Bye. Nice to talk to you. <laughs> Governor David Patterson. Right there on Sitting Friends in the Morning, actress Alexandra Vigneault and the man Rudy Giuliani. I like that Patterson guy. Even you can see that coming. Still it comes, sitting friends in the morning. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Tomorrow we celebrated Cousin Brucey and John Cachimatidis, my guy, last night. And we play that little promo of Cousin Brucey all the time, and he talks specifically about story about swimming with Andy Gibb and Andy Gibb singing this song. Funny story. And so, uh, Cousin Brucey, this one goes out to you. What is this story exactly, Lewis? Uh, um, he's swimming. You're asking me. <laughs> yeah. um. All right. Anyway, he okay. loves Andy Gibb. And... I'll come up with something. All right. We've got a big night coming up. Uh, Rudy Giuliani will join us next. He had a big night last night alongside President Donald Trump, raised a whole bunch of monies. We're going to find out how well he did or not. Rudy Giuliani coming up in about uh, about 15 minutes. But we've got a big night coming up this Wednesday, September the 13th. It is a uh, a clothing drive, a red carpet show. It is the Models of comedy against human trafficking. You know, my daughter's going to college in Europe, 
and uh, year two coming up. She wants to be an attorney and represent all these young girls. So human trafficking is something we discuss. We actually work with a place called A Place of Hope in Boca Raton. We actually we, we donate money to them. So yes. we're all about this, the Rosenberg family. It's at the West Side Comedy Club. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Thash Mose. You have, uh, well, I, can't, I don't know all these names. I just don't care. I know one of these eight people is a friend of mine. She's a great actress and a model. And a super, super young lady, Alexandra Vigneault. And she's in my studio right now. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Good to see you. So Good who, are these, who are these other people? So these are some great comics and models that we have on this lineup. They're good looking. They're all good looking. Yeah. Eugenia Kuzmina, she's amazing. She's a model, a mom, a comedian. Uh, she does everything. And she put this together. And she is connected with Katie Ford. She brought Katie Ford from Ford Models in who has the anti-human trafficking and she put together this lineup of all these amazing models who I have to say are really funny. I've seen a lot of them already and the show, it draws a lot of people like it's always sold out. It's always filled up. Oh, so this is an annual thing that they do. This is something, yeah, they we've done a few of them in Los Angeles, and each time it's oh, really? been a huge success, and this is the first New York run. Well, you've been in my studio once before. You were in for uh, about 30 minutes, and we talked yeah. about your modeling career, your acting career, and uh, all that goes very, very well. I had no idea you did comedy, too. I mean, is this something you do regularly? Well, or? Kind of. I'm. I'm. This is my new thing that I'm doing. Your new thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I so like you write to try your own material. Who does your oh, material? Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. I write my own material. That's yeah. funny. I, you know, I have. I have a friend. Her name is Jennifer Sturger, mm-hmm. and she's very, very famous, Alexandra, yeah. because she's the girl that when Brett Favre was the quarterback of the Jets. He sent a picture of his penis to her. Oh, God. And it became this huge story. I'm serious. Yeah. She was like the jet girl. She would go around. Everybody pumped up. Long story short, she was an actress. She did sports TV. She moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And about five years ago, started doing comedy. Yeah. And, and I'm like, Jen, I never realized. I mean, she was always funny. And now she makes a decent amount of money doing that. So Yeah, you really can. I mean, the thing about comedy is you have the freedom to do it when you want to do it. So right. you could just, you have all the power. You could just get up and go. And... It's hard, though, Alex. Oh, yeah, it's hard. hard. I mean, it's I one know. thing, if I go see one of your movies and yeah. I don't like it, you're not there. Yeah. Like, I can call you and go, boy, but when you're on stage yeah. and the people aren't laughing, I've done it once as an amateur mm-hmm. many, many years ago. I'm the funniest guy I've met your whole life. But I tried it once on, on stage at Pips in Sheepshead Bay, and I sucked. Oh, my gosh. And nobody was laughing, and I couldn't wait to get on stage and do more cocaine and hide in the bathroom. <laughs> That's what you should have said. I can't wait to get off the stage and go do more cocaine well, in the bathroom. I think I just started doing it on the stage. I got a lot of applause. Oh. But... but <laughs> But it's a lonely feeling when it's not working well. Yeah, yeah. I think the best thing to do when something like that happens is you just call it out and just say, wow, this worked much better in the mirror. I'm going to work on that. (laughs) See, that's funny. I like that. Very good. Thank you. So when when, uh, did you uh, become involved with this group against human trafficking? It's something I don't think we spent enough time talking about. Yeah. And we have this uh, horrible migrant crisis, the illegals. Yeah. And a lot of these kids, and I feel badly for them, I do, it's not their fault, they end up getting, you know, abducted, the cartels, and it happens to a lot of young ladies. They used to have this website in uh, in the country, and it was called uh, Backpage. Just was on it all the time. Right. And the federal government actually took it down because these girls were literally taken and put in the sex trade. It was disgusting. It was oh, grotesque. my gosh. So what you're doing, I think, is great work. How would you get involved? 
I think is really great too. Thank you. I, I got involved because of Eugenia. We're really good friends. Uh, we've worked on multiple projects together. I directed her in a movie I did. Really? Yeah. And she was so great in the film and we got to talking and she's been working with Katie Ford on this for a long time before I ever came in. But because I'm a New York local, she called me and she was like, I think you should do models of comedy. And it's also funny because I'm more like a petite model, so yeah, yeah. I'm the fun-sized model while they're all tall and beautiful. Oh, I know, I know, but, I know. Tall and, and doing, leggy. Yeah, at, so, but I want to make sure I mention at 9 o'clock on this night on Wednesday at the Westside Comedy Club, it's going to be a red carpet with a lot of press, and we're doing a clothing drive for the women. So it's usually ages 13 to about 20 years old are the ages that they're being trafficked. So we're collecting clothes for these women that have been sort of rescued from this. Oh, and, awesome. And then 10 o'clock PM is going to be the show. That is awesome. Yeah. I yeah. love it. And yeah. there's a male model here. It looks like too. He's a very handsome yeah, guy. Yeah, We have one male model, Taras. He's amazing. And he's also a DJ. I hate him. <laughs> he's too good looking. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you have to listen to him talk first before you can see Is that right? Where's yeah. he from? I think he's Russian. I think he is, too. Yeah. I'm going Russian, yeah, too. Yeah, he's got yeah. a little Russian yeah. vibe going I'm on. I'm glad he's getting yeah, involved. Yeah, Taras. Here, I could say their names because, honestly, you should look out for these names. This is Taras Romanov, Kate Herman, Dominique Van Santen, Thash Mose, Sienna Hubert Ross, Alejandra Cata, and obviously Eugenia Kuzmina and myself. Well, I think you did the, uh, the second to last name. You broke into Alejandra. your little... Alejandra. Alejandra. <laughs> you, went the, uh, you probably played this uh, Latino lady in some of your acting role. Uh, you were just... Um, I saw you. First of all, you did a great spread. What magazine was that? It was oh, great. Oh, Social Life Magazine. So good. For the Hamptons. And, your, just ans- and your answers were great. They Thank asked you, you a bunch of questions. You were great. Thank you. But you were in, in Cannes, weren't you, in France? I was just in France. had the most amazing time. Was that a movie that you made or somebody else? I was actually going there working with the distribution company that I work with, and then all of my friends had films in the festival that this year. So I went That's to awesome. go support them and watch. And I actually made one of the deals happen with... The distribution company. How about with. that? Yeah. So yeah. how do you feel about the whole strike right now with actors and writers on Oh, strike? my God. I think it's so necessary. I think it's absolutely crazy what they expect from artists yeah. and that they just, it's very disrespectful, I think, what's going on. And But it's something that has to change. And, I mean, it was a matter of time for something like this to happen. So yeah. I well, guess I, I hopefully... Yeah. I believe that we will come to the right terms. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it yeah, seems like we're so. miles and miles apart. I, know. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you that I actually did something last week in the business, but you don't get paid a lot of money because yeah. it's like a micro-budget type of thing. Uh-huh. But you're not going to be a raging bitch now at me, are you? Because I worked, are you? Not at okay, all. I'm happy, I'm happy for you to work, as long as you didn't work for like the no, head of no, the no, studio. No, no. no, no right? No, that's no, what matters. No, somebody said to me this week, Alex, that don't be surprised if independent films, that's it. That this yeah. may never, ever, ever really get resolved. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah. I oh mean, do you think God. that's possible? Or Well, if that's the case, then wow for independent films. I, know. I mean, it's going to be really amazing for independent films. But you've made a bunch of independent films, too. I have. You've that's why I'm both. kind of excited, because yeah. I don't need to answer to them. Exactly yeah, right. I get to make my own stuff so and put everybody I want to put in it. You can call Fran Drescher right now and say, yeah. 
Well, I like Fran Drescher. I love Fran. She was in Gravesend with me, too. You know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we just said Inside Man with Danny Yeh. We got a new movie, possibly, with Danny Yeh, and you need to be in it. Oh, my God. Thank you. Congrats to you, too, on all the success in your acting career. Thank you. Thank you. It's crazy. (laughs) It's a budding career. I know. And Danny's Danny's in town. You saw Danny last night. I did see Danny last night. He was great. He had a really nice uh, gala that they were throwing for raising money for cancer. His uh, brother died. It was a good show. His brother died. And uh, Kyle Stefanski, who's a good actor Mm -hmm. and director, his, Mm -hmm. his sister just died oh. so this is uh, the models of comedy it's against human trafficking where exactly is the west side comedy club it's on 75th and broadway so it's like an upper west side club it's a pretty nice size club oh it's up at my tanning salon i'm on 73rd and uh just perfect so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll you listening just walk uh, on over i'll get a nice tan i'll come over and check out the show uh i've got eight uh models and actors all really good looking is that is that everybody there are more to come that there might be one or two more surprise guests that we haven't confirmed yet, but I think that could be looking good. It looks and, awesome. And um, def- definitely the models pull a great crowd. They have all their girlfriends come, and then all these guys show up. It's like be- it's a very good combination for uh, I can't argue. <laughs> Wednesday night, September the 13th, this Wednesday, 9 p.m., the show starts at 10. Red carpet and clothing drive starts at 9 o'clock, one hour. Oh, you get the tickets at Eventbrite. I know those guys. Yeah. All the housewives have their events on Eventbrite also. Yeah, so, uh, it's like $25 for a ticket, and you can write it off it. for charity. Yeah. That's, that's not much yeah, at all. Yeah, it's nothing. It's easy. Wow, and the drinks yeah. are free, right? Kidding. No, no. <laughs> but I do know that the night goes to the charity, everything that's spent That's that awesome. Night. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Thank it's you great so to much. see you again. You look Thank great you. as always. I hope and you'll be there. I'll stop by. Yeah, good. I'll stop by one good. tonight. I'll and, make a uh, joke just for you. I'm not a model, but I pretend to be one on radio. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we're going to talk to, uh, that's the beautiful Alexandro Vigno, Models of Comedy, coming up on Wednesday night. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. ELO, great song. This interview with Rudy Giuliani coming up, brought to you by our dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Check them out today, peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com. They do build the world's best boilers. Rudy wasn't with us last night, but what a party they threw. John and Margot. Chad Lopez, happy birthday. I didn't know this till moments ago. The man that runs the ship, the great Chad Lopez, who was dancing all night. He was a lot of fun. Happy birthday, Chad Lopez. Emily, the whole crew, all did a great job. And Rudy wasn't there, and I missed him. And I missed uh, Andrew as well, because Rudy was in Bedminster, New Jersey, with my friend uh, Donald Trump, really Rudy's friend, uh, raised some money for Rudy, who they've gone after every bit as much as they've gone after Donald Trump. I want to find out how it went. So without further ado, here he is, my dear friend. I love him like my own father, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, good morning, buddy. How are you? You know, uh, Sid, I really, I really felt bad missing last night. I tried very hard to rearrange the event, but given uh, President Trump's schedule, this was it. This was all we could get. Uh, he was terrific. I mean, uh, he came in and he wowed all my donors. 
I think they all doubled what they were going to donate. Nice. <laughs> nice. Good. Uh, Andrew, Andrew says, uh, uh, we're, our goal, our goal was really around a million. We're over, we're over that. And, um, I think, uh, we, we, as time goes by, we will, uh, we'll even do better on this one. We have another one coming up in Mar-a-Lago, either October or November, again, depending on the president's schedule. Uh, and of course the words, that he said really moved, really moved the, the people about how much I contributed and how none, none, none of these things about Biden would even be known if it weren't for me, which I think very few people don't. I, mean, I think very few people realize that. But I, I brought out the original allegations back in 2018. Of course, I began getting attacked from then on. And the day I took on representing him, the FBI began spying on me. Uh, that's not. A, I mean, there's an that They they went and they got my iCloud account. They did a subpoena. Never told me about it. And for three years, without telling me, they were spying on me. And of course, they were spying on him. I, I, it's almost unthinkable that they would spy on the president's lawyer. Uh, at that point, I couldn't have done anything wrong. I had I, it was the day I began representing him. I, I in other words, what I did wrong was represent. Him. Right, right. No, I know. In fact, I had him on last Friday, and I spoke to you right after you enjoyed the conversation. But he brought you up unprovoked. I did not bring you up. I didn't bring up the fundraiser, and he was quick to bring you up and say, "Hey, Rudy, that's the guy. He's the guy. This guy, he did everything for me. He was doing this. He was doing that." So I knew, and I've known for quite some time how much he loves you. And it's funny because CNN this morning, these pricks, all they're talking about is how Giuliani and Trump still hang out together, even though Trump never wrote him a check. And the truth is Giuliani needs $5 million, not $2 million. So what they were saying is don't be fooled by the by the Giuliani-Trump show last night. There really is resentment there. And I know for a fact there's not, but they're still reporting it that way. Uh, that, that, that story is five years old, uh, Sid, and it's five years of lies. I mean, they would make up these ridiculous stories. First of all, he's been my personal friend for over 30 years. Second, I would be doing this for him if I wasn't his friend, because I believe that our country is under serious attack by the, the Biden regime. They are destroying our constitutional rights. And the moment I found out what a crook he is, look, I spent a prosecutor, I was a prosecutor most of my life. It hit something primal in me. I have this, I hate, I mean, people think you're bragging. I have a sense of justice. It's part of me. It's the reason I work 24 hours a day to get the mafia and the terrorists and the Nazis. And the minute I saw how much money this man was taking and how he was selling out public office and nobody was doing anything about it. This is before he was running for president. I said he has to be brought to justice. Well, we don't have an America anymore. And it's gotten now it's gotten to be much worse. I mean, we're we are living in in some ways as if we were in a fascist state. Yeah, I know you're right. We can't tolerate we, we can't tolerate that. No. And if you no. happen to be the person that fortunately or unfortunately was given the information. If you don't act with it, who the hell is? <laughs> and you did act, and you did the right thing. And this conversation right now, Rudy, is bittersweet for me, and I'll tell you why. On one hand, it's sweet because I want you to get all the help you can get. You deserve it. You're a great man, great lawyer, great mayor, great father, great t- all that. So, great husband. I know you. You're a great man. You deserve it. But it's bittersweet because today's September 8th. 
And if you would have told me 10 years ago that Rudy Giuliani is on my radio show September the 8th, I would have said, oh, he's coming on to talk about 9-11. And we're not. We're talking about you needing money because these bastards, these mother effers, wake up every day trying to destroy your life instead of instead of what you did 22 years ago, which goes down in history as one of the greatest, greatest contributions for an American politician ever. Well, thank you. And that's one of the reasons they want to destroy me, because I have an extra credibility that maybe some of the other people that would speak up on behalf of the of the president wouldn't. And from the beginning, I've had that credibility. Uh, you know, the, the, Biden, the day he announced, wrote a letter to the media telling him to keep me off television. <laughs> I mean, that's absurd. I mean, if you if, if you if you run for president and you write a letter saying uh this principal spokesman for the other guy shouldn't be allowed on television. There should be a way to throw you out of running for president, right? Yes, I mean, yes. I mean, it, 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 but of course the press just took it. And uh, but I think what turn? I mean, maybe I'm being an optimist. I think we're turning the corner. I see these polls, and it's finally entering into beyond the Republican sphere. Uh, independence, I think, and far as far as Biden is concerned, are gone. I think they're gone. I think we have convinced them that he's a major crook. And I think the next thing are the Democrats. I hope you're right. It's all there. I hope you're right. I do. From your mouth to God's ears, I really do. I wonder, everybody loves you for the job you did as mayor, even some of your detractors, people writing books now, these cowards, they love it. But I wonder, Rudy, for the big Trump supporter like me, who was really upset with the way you've been treated, not to compare the two necessarily, but I wonder if people even feel more strongly now in your favor than what you did 22 years ago because of how unfairly you and Trump are being treated. If that love, for example, is now exponential. I think both Andrew and the president think it is. Uh, what do you uh, think? Uh, Andrew, what, what do you Andrew think? Has I, th- I think it may be. I mean, it's harder for me to assess because I'm in the middle of it. But uh, given the reaction that we're getting, I would say yes. And I think it also reflects itself in how well he has done in the polls. Uh, I mean, he's won over – I don't know I don't know if he's doubled his support or – I mean, it's pretty close to that. And, and uh, after four indictments, he's got a 60 percent lead <laughs> in the Republic. And if you tell me he's tied with Biden or ahead by five points, he's winning by a landslide. Yeah. I agree. But those polls aren't fair. None of them are. They never have been. When has he ever? When has he ever been? When have they ever, ever been accurate in terms of a Republican and a poll? Never. I, mean, I, I always ran ten points ahead of any poll on me. Always. Uh, by the time by the time I was in politics five years, I knew how to calculate it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I do think people are reacting, and I also think you know I do want to say something about September 11 because with the number of terrorists that. Uh, Biden is letting in, we, we probably are back to the most dangerous period we've ever been in. We probably have more ISIS and um, extremist uh, uh, Muslim terrorists in this country than ever before. Well, I'm, going to stop Remember, you I'm going to stop you for a second, because Peter King went to Washington, D.C. about a month ago and said exactly what you just said. And certainly our really gross and inept exit in Afghanistan, leading to the death of 13 of our fine soldiers, is evidence of that. But but what you're saying right now, Rudy, what you're saying right now is 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 really big. I mean, you're talking about, and I agree, 
that Al Qaeda, ISIS, the Taliban, they've all regrouped. So I'm going to make you say it again. You're telling me, and you mean this, not because you hate Biden, I hate him too. Not because of that. You really mean in your heart of hearts that you believe that 22 years later, this may be our most dangerous time. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt we have considerably more Islamic extremist terrorists in this country uh, without real uh, surveillance, because a lot of them we don't know about. If if, if we know about uh, uh, 5,000, there are 10,000 we don't know about. And uh, they are free to do what they want. And, of course, they still hate us as much, and they are planning to attack us. And we have less of a hold on it than we had before because the numbers are just too great. You look at the numbers that they pick up, they're extraordinary. So if they pick up that many, think of how many others get through without being uh, uh, found. And Peter, there's nobody that knows more about this, including me, than Peter in terms of intelligence. I mean, I relied on Peter. You know, Peter and I know each other since we were in law school. So uh, I relied on Peter like a brother when he was in Congress for information about this. And he he knows this from the beginning. Yeah. And if he's, if he's telling you that, uh, yes. you should just add that to what I'm saying. Yeah, he did. He went to D.C. and they were expecting him to talk about Ukraine, Russia, China. He said, hold on a second. Let's not lose sight of the terrorists. They could be back. 60 seconds to go. you got to be exhausted. You're like Trump. You're a fighter. You're great. You come on the radio. You sound like you're 18 years old, but you got to be exhausted. So I love you. So thank you. But thank you. You're thank welcome. You but, 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 and, not, but and, God, not, and God bless you and John. Thank Happy you. Thank you. John, too. But before you run, John, but before you run, I'll tell him, before you run, 9-11, you were in power. You know, Governor Pataki, you guys didn't get along originally, but you guys mended the fence, which was important. We became brothers. Right, and that was important. You had Bernie Kerrick. You had all, even Norm Sheeper. You had all these great people, all these great real fine Americans in charge. If God forbid, Rudy Giuliani, God forbid what you're saying and Peter King is saying is right and something happens, mm. could you mm. imagine with these clowns in charge now what would happen to our city? You no, know, and it's. It's the most important thing. Look at Katrina and how the mayor and the governor hated each other and what happened. I worry a lot about the relationship between Hochul and Adams beyond politics. They have to have a strong relationship if, God forbid, anything happens to us. Because if they're working across purposes, we're dead. And that's what happens. You go look at these emergencies. It's that relationship between the mayor and the governor that's more important than the president. It's critical. You are right. And also Joe Esposito, who checks in. Booty, you know how much I love you. Keep fighting. A lot of people love you. You saw that last night. I love you, too. Thank you, Rudy. See you soon. See you soon. Rudy Giuliani. Hopefully he'll come back Monday. I want Rudy on Monday. That's the day. That's Rudy's day. Hopefully he'll come back Monday. But, man, if you're in New York and you don't love Rudy Giuliani, you don't love Jesus. in Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. You know, I always get a barrage of messages about this time every Friday. It's humbling and surreal for me from people who are like, oh, God, please don't go. i got to wait three more days to get you back. But it's what it is, folks. 
I got to have a life too. You know, I got to watch football. I got to go to the gym. I got to hang out with my family. That type of thing. I can't just be here every second of every day. Oh, I can't God. do it. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. Robert. You know, I think that. Uh, <laughs> shut up, Justin. You know the um, there it is. Uh, Noam, your second diamond moment of the day. The uh, vest I wore last night, that cream Joseph Abood vest, underneath my blue suit. I think that's that's the reason why they were grabbing at me like Tom Jones, nineteen seventy five at the Beacon. That's why you had all that those pairs of underwear. That's exactly right. They were panties, wow. not underwear. Uh, uh, men right. wear underwear. Uh, I had panties and bras. Okay. <laughs> yeah. One of them said Macedonia on it. I don't know where you got that one. Yeah. Well, he's different, yeah. Phil. You know. We were drinking tequila shots with Phil too, or just my wife. No, you're the one who got it. Oh, well, she like, wanted okay, it, Danielle. Yes. But it was, I, I thought there were the four of you who four. drank. Right. Who who else drank those tequila shots? Phil. Some, uh, was it, um, and Danielle. Right. Yes, that's three. There was one was more. It? Was it Jack K- Oh, Craig Eaton? No, Jack Cahill? Maybe it was no, I don't know. Was it Drosh? Oh, the Kevin Drosh of life. No, thanks for the invite. Well, you weren't standing you were let, there at the time. You, you left were, already. You, you were watching left. the Chiefs of the Lions at some gay bar in Chelsea. <laughs> uh, we're done. Excellent week. Lou Rafino, what can I say about it? I had fun with you yesterday, too. Lunch at Lavera Pizza. Oh, going back great. to the hotel. Yes. It was nice hanging out with you. Of just course. you and I talking. It was fun. Uh, excellent you. job, Justin. I love you, too. No maiden, great job. God willing, as Gene would say, we'll all be back at Monday morning at uh, 6. So until then, everybody, from all of us to all of you, please stay safe. Peace!